You know, I spend a really long time saying such nice things about my good friend Tarvold. The least you could do is appear on his show and not make me season one Tarvold's test champion of the world not look like a fool. I, I, <laughs> you could at the very least get the one that I literally submitted that I teed up for you. No, no, no. You could at least have the decency to get it wrong in the way I expected you to. I don't know what Budokai music sounds like. I just knew it was rock. Wait, you've never heard a Dragon Ball in your life? I, I've I heard the theme of the, of the Jiren fight, which was awesome. I think that's just the opening theme of the series. I don't know, man. The, wait, do you mean the actual opening theme of it, or uh, do you mean the, the one that sounds like One Jump Ahead? That one? Okay. Oh, I was thinking that. Da, 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 no, yeah, da. I have no idea what that is. Okay. Wait, no, oh, yeah, yes, I do. Yes, that's the mean thing. Yeah, exactly. That's I, from Dragon my Ball. My knowledge of Dragon Ball is mainly memes. It's like 95% memes. How could you do that? I. You get the easy open invitation. You're there with Pro Jared himself. How am I supposed to compete against him when there's so many goddamn RPGs? My brain is just going, okay, is this one Xenoblade? No, no that's not what but this one is. Maybe this one? But no, none of them were. That's right. How many flutes did you hear? I, do, I, do, I maybe like two, but it wasn't the flute. I know it's, I know, I know what the flute is. The they one. only invented the flute for three. I know. I got you can't hate something this second. much. That was that made me happy. You know what? Okay, fine. You did okay at times. You gave me false hope at times, but now I don't get a buy against the season two champion. Oh. <laughs> Ow! I had Fair, to fight against everyone. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. I scored more points than you ever did. Is that only because he doubled the points? Yes, but still, I have a bigger number. Yeah, but I have this belt that doesn't exist that I may get <laughs> just to spite you. Uh, I'm still so mad about that Sonic theme. I knew exactly what it was. I was yeah, singing you, you along that so with hard. It. I was <laughs> astounded, my guy. I, I have a music playlist for like workouts and stuff. They're right next to each other, and they just kind of fuse. Like that era of Sonic songs, they sound really similar when you play them next to each other. One of them is bowling for soup, and the other one is not. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm still happy with my performance. Considering who I was up against, I did better than I was expecting to. <sighs> I listened to Lacey's Persona 4 album after that. It's great. Very fantastic. Highly recommend. Oh, the part where she adds um, the opening theme as well as the lyrics of uh, Reach Out to the Truth into Specialist. I was like, oh, oh, that's spicy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also really loved her Guilty Gear covers. Mm, yeah. Those were a lot of fun. Definitely. If you'd like to see that, please go over to Tarvold's Quest. Season 2 of Tarvold's Test is open. Guess what? He doesn't live up to my expectations. Or my pedigree. But you knew that. Welcome to Design Dork Skyden. I am Pyrrhic Kong, the only living, reigning, undisputed video game music trivia champion of the world. 
And with me is... The Duke of Dorks, who has scored the second most points on the channel for that series. I think. Liam might have gotten more in his episode, actually. Which is extremely impressive, because that points hadn't been doubled by then. I don't know. I don't know. Exactly. So you don't even have that accolade. It would be third still. That's a bronze. Oh, they give man. out bronze medals. They don't give out bronze medals and horseshoes, boyo. I've mixed up my metaphors terribly. Anyway, th- we <laughs> talked about video games. Indeed, the games we've played, the news that's happened, going over some comments from you guys, and maybe some other stuff in there too, just for the fun of it. Exactly. So, we have a lot to talk about this week, so let's just get on into it. We've uh, piddled around enough, I feel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, I actually had the pleasure of being invited as a guest to DreamHack San Diego this past month. Just gonna just pass over Dingpots and Dragons like that. I'm, I'm s- Wow. Bro, I don't care. <laughs> oh, wow, you released a Ridley video. He's relevant. No, he's not. Guess what? I found this piece of banjo fan art. That doesn't count. Okay. Okay, we did the segment. Great. <laughs> I worked really hard on that video. <laughs> hey, you could talk about it later, honey. Okay, okay. But it doesn't satisfy I, a bit. I just need... I wasn't going to. I just... We just needed a transition. <laughs> to play the intro, and now we have it. So go, go ahead and talk about DreamHack. Uh, DreamHack was great. A lot of it was uh, FGC-related as well as Rocket League-related, which I am not at all a part of, but it got me the opportunity to talk to a lot of great Twitch creators. Uh, They had a great party at the uh, Hard Rock Hotel that was just a lot of fun to go to afterward for the creators. Um, Nice. Just a lovely, lovely space. Um, They had this big pyramid in the center where it was... They play a game for three hours, and if you are at the top of the pyramid at the end of the three hours, you win $1,000. Last day, they were doing Smash. When I got there at about 10.15, there was a banjo player up, and I watched them for about 15 minutes, because you don't get to see a banjo player often in Smash Ultimate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they were doing well, and I was like, awesome, awesome. I feel good. I can't do any of that, but they're good. They have great fundamentals. Um, I go away, I go back about uh, two and a half hours later, there's 15 minutes. On both sides of the Titantron, there is just Banjo's face, and in bold letters, gah <laughs> Oh, beautiful. Imagine playing Banjo so well for two and a half hours against people who want you to fail, including the commentator, who stops commentating just to see if he's still got it and gets bodied. That's amazing. Was an absolute delight. Yeah, it was just a lovely time. Spoke to a lot of cosplayers. And they had a very, very nice arcade there. So I'd like to go and run down all of the arcade games I played there. All right, hit me. Hatsune Miku Project Diva Arcade. This one is really weird because it's emulating PlayStation controls. But instead of having PlayStation controls, It's just four orbs, and inside each orb is one of the PlayStation, like, cross, square, triangle symbols. Uh Uh-huh. And you just hit the orbs, and it crosses you up. It is the most confusing way to emulate that control style I've ever felt. What on? Yeah. I'm looking at an image of it now. How does... What the... Ugh! (laughs) Yeah, I don't get it at all. Uh, let's see, um... I didn't get to play it, but they had a full Taiko no Tatsujin set up. 
And they had, uh, there were two little girls there, and each one was dressed up as one of the ice climbers, and they were playing it and hanging them with their giant <laughs> prop hammers. Nice. It was adorable. That's great. Uh, Dance Dance Revolution Extreme. Hell Always yeah. a treat. Always just the best. Always warm up with Butterfly and transition into all the best songs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exhaust yourself on the second one, and then do the third one at a slightly lower difficulty to calm your heart down. <laughs> that is the play. They had the one with, like, the glowy floor, and they had, like, two guys just breaking it down on it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, some of the most incredible things that you'll ever see is just cosplayers breaking it down on DDR oh, or other yes, dance machines. Oh, yeah, the cosplay aspect. That's so cool. Yes. Uh, Crazy Taxi High Roller. This is just Crazy Taxi, but better, because it has a jump button. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all it needs to be incredible. It has the original Crazy Taxi stage, plus a Las Vegas one and a New York one. And it's just great. I'm so glad I finally got to play High Roller. Nice. I've only ever gotten to play the original, and uh, yeah, guess what? Fucking incredible. Uh, Mario Kart Arcade GP2. This is uh, the Japan-only Mario Kart game. Uh, guess what? It's not very good. <laughs> but it has the, the the one character that I can't even remember off the top of my head. What's the character they had in that that everyone was freaking out over? Uh, I don't know. I, I know it has, like, Pac-Man and Blinky and, like, one of the Tamagotchi guys or something. Okay, okay. Maybe Don Chan? I forget. But, uh, of course, I played as your boy Donkey Kong, and... It just plays as an arcade racer, but with Mario Kart items. Mm-hmm. So, like, you don't really feel like you're doing well. It it feels like OutRun, but occasionally there are shells there, and a weird item where you just hit yourself in the head with a lightning stick over and over again until you pass someone, in which case you hit them. Mm-hmm. Strangest, strangest thing. Of course, I played through the entire Donkey Kong circuit as Donkey Kong and won, and... Gosh, it is a surreal feeling hearing an excited Japanese announcer going, Donkey Kongu, pass! Donkey Kongu, shell! Donkey Kongu, first prize! <laughs> the entire time. Anyway, I was dressed up as DK during it, so it felt pretty good. Oh, nice, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I had my full DK suit on, obviously. Of course, of course. Pole Position, which is a classic Atari racing game, and I... I have nothing notable to say about this, but I want to complain about the arcade cabinet itself, because it's it's a driving game, right? So how would you expect a driving game's cabinet to look? It would be one of those things where you just sit down in it, like the, the seats, you have the steering wheel there, the pedals and all that. I just looked up the picture of the cabinet. What the hell am I looking at? Okay, so imagine it's just an upright cabinet. With just a steering wheel on it and a drive shift, and there's just an acceleration pedal at the bottom right of it, and you just stand on one foot the entire time, hitting the acceleration. <laughs> it, can you, what? Now imagine that you're stronger than the cabinet, and you hitting the acceleration is actively pushing it away from you. <laughs> Somebody did not think that through. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I played Miss Pac-Man. That game is still fantastic. Like, it is incredible how a game made in, I want to say, 81 just holds up so perfectly. Like, Donkey Kong doesn't hold up this perfectly. Mm-hmm. 
it's just a wonderful experience of just trying to see how far you can get compared to your last time. I have never full cleared it, but, you know, I've, I've finished the story sequences at least, and it's always an enjoyable time to get there. Nice. But hands down, my favorite game that I played there was something called Nostalgia OP3, or Nostalgia Opus 3. Opus 3, I've never heard of this one. Okay, so this is a spinoff of Konami's Beat Mania series. I've heard of that, okay. And the difference with this one is that you are playing on a full digitized piano keyboard. Um, oh, I'm looking at pictures, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the black keys are just there for show, but, uh, what you do is music comes down at you like you would expect for a DDR, uh, pad, just coming directly at you, and it's a two-screen setup, so the notes go from the top screen to the bottom and then directly hit the keys so that you can perfectly time it, and as long as you're within, like, five notes of where it's landing, it'll get to you, so it's not like a perfect piano playthrough, it's mm-hmm. a matter of just kind of slapping it in the relative position. But it feels good. The gimmick with this is that all of the tracks have a piano track behind them, or are songs that are well-known for piano tracks. Mm-hmm. And if you fuck up, then you don't get to hear the piano track. You just get to hear the rest of the song. But you know that feeling where you just hear a piano solo in a song, and it's just the most uplifting, insane, fuck yes feeling in the world. Yes. You get to control that. Yeah. Let me tell you, there is no better feeling than just smacking out Swan Lake as it crescendos and dips up and down, and then just hits that climactic moment, and you're hitting every note perfectly, It feels so good! And of course, they have uh, specific combinations like, you know, when you slide your hand all the way down the piano keys, it emulates that. If it has rapid notes, you can twitter between two different keys rapidly to hit that. Mm -hmm. There's holds and releases and doing it with both hands, so one hand is sliding and the other is hitting the notes in perfect rhythm. Just when you get it right, you feel like a god! And great selections for tracks, too. Uh, they have one song by Ado, which I refused to leave until I got a perfect score on at least the easy <laughs> difficulty and cleared the normal difficulty. Nice. And I managed that. But they also had Yami Yugi's theme from the Yu-Gi-Oh! anime. Cool. And that is just one big climaxing piano piece of... It is literally getting to play the best notes of the most iconic turnabout theme in anime, I would say. (laughs) Oh my god! Like, this was incredible as an experience, and it's one of those things where you can download songs from the internet to play on it so that the machine constantly updates. And there were, like, a solid hundred songs on there, and I only got to play about nine over my three days at the con. Mostly because I spent a lot of time on the auto song, but... (laughs) Still, though. Oh, this is one of the cabinets where when I got home, I went, what is the price of this? (laughs) $1,900. Not that quite. I I went, oh, that's doable, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, that could be my real eccentric piece. What if I put it in a theater and made kids pay a quarter? (laughs) 
How long would it take for me to get a return? Uh, 1900. Don't ask. Don't answer. 7,600 plays? It happened eventually. I can do that. See, don't encourage me, because now I'm thinking that's swingable. (laughs) (sighs) But yeah, that machine I absolutely adored. And that would have been the highlight for video game playing, except I entered a tournament in DreamHack. Now, I'm not a good enough fighting game player to enter fighting game tournaments. You can attest to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I button mash and win. Bruh, it's, it's just too much for my brain to handle. I'm like, what's his next move? And your next move is hee-hee, I just hit the button and win. I go, well, <laughs> shit, I can't counter that. I'm not good enough for Smash. I've replaced all of my Mario Kart skills with Crash Team Racing skills, so that was a bust. But what I am good at is Mario Party, and they had a tournament there for Mario Party. Now, I do have to preface this. This was a minigame-only tournament, and I'm sure that you can attest that my strength is entirely in board play. I'm okay at minigames. I can get the job done well enough. I know what all of them are. I know the ideal strategy, but I, I'm a schemer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a big talker. I am a get all the bonus stars behind your back and manipulate things behind the scenes while tricking you into thinking that you're winning. That is my strength. So I was coming at this at a disadvantage. And worse yet, this Mario Party Superstars tournament, I did not get to pick Donkey Kong in the first round. I had to be Mario, because that was just who was left, and we were running short on time. Operating at, like, 20% of your power. Oh, no. Exactly. So that was a struggle. Uh, Anyway, first round, I cleared easy. There was a literal child in it. However, (laughs) I do want to say first round, I cleared easy. (laughs) Second round, close victory. Matter of, like, 10 coins. We get to the semifinals. I win by, I think, three coins getting into the finals. I am trembling because at the start of that round, there was a game of hot rope jump and everyone got to the maximum of 100 jumps before the game just says, yeah, everyone wins. So at that point, everyone knew the only people left in this bracket are killers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not only that, but there was a uh, second chance round for people who were knocked out early. And the guy who I was talking to the entire tournament, who I just struck up a little bit of a friendship with. I knew that he was, oh, he scouted this game. He knows as much about this game as I do. And he went out early just due to some bad luck and uh, performance anxiety. And then he got into the uh, second round and he was bloodthirsty. He swept his second chance pool. Nice. I was scared. I By the time of the second round, I was going, yeah, I, I might do okay. So we're down to the final round. I get to be Donkey Kong, finally. I get my power back. (laughs) And I make the unfortunate mistake of being really good at the start and taking an early lead. Oh, no. That's just how you get focused. Yeah. Yeah, that happened. Because then they put you in a 1v3 and... My good friend, the gentleman who knows everything about Mario Party, did in fact talk everyone else into playing the game that I had no chance of winning as the one if they just coordinated slightly. The the soccer one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you just shoot it in. And I'm like, oh, this is gonna hurt. Oh, this is gonna be real bad. But I have to say, it was such a close-fought match 
that one of the final games played in the tournament, randomly selected, was Bowser's Big Blast. Nice. And I want you to know, there was a concert happening on the other side of the venue. Ten grown men screaming at Bowser's Big Blast is in fact louder than a concert and does distract attention away from it. And also wildly quoting WWE, claiming one of us is the tribal chief, and asking everyone else to acknowledge me. This was not me, but I wish it was. We get to the final minigame, and I am within 14 coins of a victory. And it's the one where you drop a cage on a bunch of Goombas, mm-hmm. and whoever gets the most Goombas and the Golden Goomba wins. I see the Golden Goomba, I hit that button, and I win that by one. But my rival, who is Waluigi, who I will remember his name forever, thank you very much for competing with me, Jesus Joestar. <laughs> he gets second. We get an exact tie in the finals. Damn. And at this point, I am willing to go, okay, you want to split the prize money? That's okay. Because this was for money. Yes. This was real. So then they decide, no, there is only one way of doing this. Final round, infinite hot rope jump. Whoever fails first loses. This is a difference of first and second. A difference of $250 from winning this minigame. Mm-hmm. Please understand, it is the most tense footage you will ever see. I've sent it to you before. I, I will put it on the video. Please, by all means, just observe this moment, which I am stalling out as long as I can so that you at home can watch this for as long as it requires. Understand, 124 jumps, and one of us falls. And it's not me, baby! Woo! So yeah, um, I have won more at Mario Party than a lot of fighting game players do in, like, three years. Uh, you're officially ranked now. I am officially ranked. I am the number one SoCal Mario Party player. Oh, this Alpha Rad's uh, tournament or some shit. I don't know. Someone tell Alpha Rad that I'm officially ranked so I can go and <laughs> be in his Mario Party shit. I don't know. But yes, I stand on the chair, me in full DK cosplay, beat my chest, screaming to the heavens as people chant DK Donkey Kong. It was the most incredible gaming atmosphere I have ever been in. Just so many people, so perfectly invested in every little stupid thing of a game of Mario Party. God, that sounds like Nirvana. It's moments like that that just make me go, damn, damn, I'm glad I've wasted so much of my life on video games. (laughs) It's all worth it in the end. You made 500 bucks from Mario Party. (laughs) That's all I need. You hear that, Mom? All that time spent, not wasted. (laughs) Uh, Congratulations, that's amazing. Thank you very much. But yeah, that that mostly wraps up my time there. Did a bunch of other little things there. Met a bunch of really nice people. Was just all in all a really fun time. But yeah. How about you? What you been doing? Uh, Not many actual games on my own. How how, how, how do I follow that up? 
Uh, I watched Maximilian Dude play Resident Evil 4. That was neat. Yo, Resident Evil 4 looks so good. It does look so good. My god, does that camera make me sick, though. That, that is definitely one of those games where the camera is just jerking around so much that I have to... I will, like, when I'm watching it, I, like, move the this camera so it's, like, a quarter off screen and in my, like, peripheral. Otherwise, I just get, like, car sick from it. Can you not adjust those settings in the options? Uh, probably in the game, but I'm not the one playing it, Max is. Well, that's fair. Oh, no, those shooting gallery sections make me way too happy. Oh, they look so good. Like... I'm I'm not a Resident Evil guy. I've never played any of the games. I I get why those games are so popular. Just watching Max play and gush over them. Well, yes. one of the best ways to experience a game if you're not per- particularly interested in it yourself is just watch somebody else who's passionate about it. Absolutely. It's it's fun. I I see the appeal. I like the characters a lot more than what I've seen about the pre-remake one. <laughs> Ashley isn't annoying. Would you look at that? Ashley's fine in the original. She's just better now. She's great now. Yeah. I love Lewis's Don Quixote thing now. Yes. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, and the pirate shopkeep. Yes. Well, he's that always been back. that. It's great. Merchant is just... Mm-hmm. Give him mm-hmm. a little kiss. Uh, I also hopped onto the Pokemon Infinite Fusion bandwagon. I, I don't have much to say about that because, like, Everybody knows the appeal of that. You take two Pokemon, you fuse them together. Sometimes it's fantastic custom sprite work. Other times it's just horrifying AI-generated nonsense. And either way, it's kind of brilliant. I loved when I saw uh, Centaur Machamp for Machamp and Rapidash. I'm like, yes, him. Uh, so, some of the names are so funny because it's just the first half plus the second half. Mm-hmm. So you get something like Machop and Meowth and it's just the Pokemon math. <laughs> I love you, math. So great. My my main Pokemon is a fusion of Nidoking and Noctowl, which is just a like brown and gold Nidoking with owl wings, which looks so cool. Oh, nice. It's 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 a good time. I don't have anything else to say about it besides that, but it's a good time. It's the most po- fun I've had with Pokemon in a very long time. Nice. That's so great compared to your last uh, most fun you've had with Pokemon in a very long time, which was Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh, yeah, but I don't have the personal connection to Yu-Gi-Oh! So it's more of just like, oh, here's a new thing. This is fun. Uh, what, what type is this thing? This is, oh my gosh, this is just taking decades of nostalgia and just literally fusing it together in fun new ways. That's, I'm, I'm just so much more invested in this. That's fair. Tarv played that uh, Emerald um, roguelike expansion that has been going around, and that looked really Ooh. fun, too. Okay, yeah. that might be next. All right. Man, it's, it's so nice that fans can just make Pokemon fun again. Right? Like, I just heard about Cassette Monsters today, and I want to play the hell out of that when I get the chance. Yeah. Like, did you hear, like, they have a plastic type? And if you hit it with a fire type, not only is it super effective, the plastic corrodes and turns into poison gas, changing the type into a poison type for the rest of the battle. That's so good! Right? Oh my gosh! Yeah, no, that that just jumped it up like five spots on my next to playlist. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's that's my cell. It's the only thing I know, but it's my cell. All right, all right. Uh, then the only like big new release I've actually played is that now that Signalis is finally done, I can finally get around to the Dead Space remake, and I've played maybe like an hour of it because I'll sit down. 
play it for like 20 minutes, and I can just feel my heartbeat pounding in my chest, and I'm like, you know what? I'm tired. I think this is enough for today. I think I'm good. The original was already one of the most, like, stress-inducing, tensions-are-high, adrenaline-pumping games I've ever played. I think this is better in just about every single way. Ooh. Ooh, okay. It's it's the same game at a at a base, but they've just pumped it up in so many different ways. The the sound design, especially, I want to gush about because I don't know what they did to their voice actors to make the necromorphs sound the way they do, but just the unholy abominations of just oh god, this thing's vocal cords are rotting, and that's just what they can do now. It is. It gets you at the back of your brain and. It's kind of an uncanny valley sound, if that makes any sense. You just feel wrong, and you want to run. Yes, I get that. With the increased lighting as well, they've made everything just so aggressively dark, because they want to make it the, um, Isaac's flashlights actually be what you're trying to use to suss out the necromorphs, which is, Mm -hmm. it helps a lot for aiming. It does not help for trying to see everything else that you're not aiming at, and it's horrifying when you're just, you can hear those horrible screams coming from what it sounds like every direction. You're on a spaceship, it's very echoey, and you're just panically just turning back and forth and back and forth. You can't find it, and all of a sudden you just see its model just come in from the, like, the third-person perspective and just lash out at you, and then you pause the game and just take a breather for a second, because this is getting too rough. Ah, yeah, don't like that. Uh, my biggest concern with the game is that Isaac is talking now. I feel like that was the biggest downgrade in 2, is that they kind of not not quite to Uncharted levels, but he'll kind of quip every now and then, which... Oh yeah, I, I know he EAFI'd himself. Yeah, which just really takes you out of a horror experience specifically. Like, that just kills the atmosphere. Uh, no, they do it perfectly here. Like, he still responds to characters, but he's silent the rest of the way. It's literally only beneficial, because now you're also invested in Isaac as a character trying to find his lost girlfriend in this horrifying environment. Right, it's it's not jarring that he is a silent protagonist and people are just assuming, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not Gordon Freakazoid kind of deal. says yeah, yeah. that, uh, anyway. He's just a person now, in a very unfortunate situation. What's your opinion, Quiet Isaac? Damn. Should have seen that <laughs> coming, huh? And just one last thing, because I was stupid. I decided, you know what, I've never... I've only played this on normal mode. Let's try hard mode. I've never- I don't know what the difference is here. Uh, the difference is that you get less ammo and Necromorphs take more damage to hits. Which normally I wouldn't like that in a video game. That's just- that's just bullet sponges. But in a horror game like this? Oh my god, cause- Oh yeah, no, resource management is the you, thing. Mm-hmm. You're just panicking because like, oh, I, I had to hit this one three times and this one three times and this one three times. I cannot shoot these things fast enough. To stop them from closing the distance, it actively encourages you to, like, get up close and personal and stomp them down when they're crawling towards you, which is so nerve-wracking, because, again, they're screaming at you the entire time. Well, I mean, you gotta get up close and personal. That boot is the heaviest boot in gaming. This is true. This is true. I I thought that something was off while I was playing it, so I actually looked this up. Apparently, for this remake, the developers specifically designed mechanics just to make sure that the player is not feeling comfortable 
Like, it will actively take account of your progress, how much ammo you have left, how well you are doing, how much you're backtracking, and just make sure to throw in things every now and then, just to keep you on edge. Like, maybe there'll just be a small explosion behind you, and what sounds like a scream, but then you'll just wait around for five minutes and no necromorph follows it out. Sometimes you'll see a necromorph at the end of a hallway that'll just jump up into the vents above you, so you're kind of just turning every single direction trying to figure out, okay, it's up there now, where's it going to come out? But that thing's just despawned. It is only there to make you freak out about, okay, there's still something else in the room with you right now. That's good. It's oh. so mean, but it's so Oh good. my god, the suggestion of that is just, mm. oh, that's beautiful. So yeah, I, I, I can't play it for very long. But Dead Space was already a top 50 game for me. This is getting top 25. I love this game so much. Well, that's tasty. It is the purest roller coaster of a game. Very nice. Uh, but that's all I've got on my own. Alrighty. Um, I do have one more one to, uh, say out loud. And that is, uh, at the start of the month, there was a very nice surprise drop that was... Done as an April Fool's Day gag, I think like six hours before actual April Fool's Day. And mm -hmm. that was a small visual novel by the name of The Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> what do you know about The Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog? I know that it exists. Okay, great. Um, it's Murder on the Orient Express, but with Sonic the Hedgehog. I, 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 I figured it was something. like <laughs> you, you are on a train? And Sonic dies, and you have to figure out who killed them by going through multiple rooms of fun Phoenix Wright dialogue. Except, you are an OC who is just a little neurotic mess working on the train, trying to help Detective Tails, who is playing the role of a detective, because everyone thinks, oh, wow, it's just a fun little murder mystery party for Amy's birthday, and it goes, no, but Sonic's actually dead, though. <laughs> But everyone's like, ha-ha, it's fine. And you go, Sonic's not breathing. And they go, ha-ha, it's Sonic. He's a really good actor. <laughs> and then you're like, are you sure? And then they start saying all these unbelievable things about Sonic. And you go, well, that's fair, I guess. <laughs> and you just get to hang out with the Sonic cast casually. And this game made me realize that I freaking love the Sonic cast. They are just a really fun bunch of characters that barely work and barely bounce off of each other, but do just enough and legitimately care about themselves enough that it ends up working. You get to pull a bank heist with Rouge and Blaze. Uh, your character is just a terrible mess, and every time that you have to think of how to progress, you have to think, what would Sonic do? And then you play a little mini-game in the Game Gear inside your mind, which is Sonic collecting rings, and that's how you have your Miles Edgeworth Eureka moments. <laughs> it is such a sharply written, legitimately fun game that doesn't really coast by on references. Like, you'll have, like, occasional references to, like, Oh yes, I hope in the future that I'm going to go to Spagonia on vacation with my wife. Or... Okay, all of us have to beat the high score of the Super Monkey Ball table, and based on the high scores of the Super Monkey Ball table, we can tell who entered this train car. But most of it is just on character dynamics and interacting with each other, and all of them 
being forced to play roles for Amy's birthday party and Amy being really, really upset when they aren't playing their roles well enough. So Espio <laughs> is trying his best to do shitty poetry the entire time. And it, they're the most terrible poems ever, including failing to understand what a haiku is. That's and just great. And no selling the damage. This is two hours, and in these two hours, I think, is my favorite writing in a Sonic the Hedgehog game in a very long time. And that's including what was done in Frontiers. Very nice, very nice. This is just a fun experience with the Sonic cast. You actually have to figure out the murder, which I nailed first try, and I felt good about myself. Because I was like, all the pieces come together! Shadow the Hedgehog is a Sundere, and he's great. Shadow's always a Sundere, let's be honest. Yes, but it's not like murder Sundere. It's like, I really hope people don't find out my personal interests. Baka. <laughs> I like coffee, but only dark and black as night with a little bit of cream. <laughs> Just, mm. it makes me realize that I really do love the Sonic cast. They just don't get the opportunity to shine in the ways that I want often enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that's very fair. And then, just as a little note, uh, I beat Ocarina of Time for the first time. For the first time? Okay. Yeah. What stopped you before? The Fire Temple into the Wire Temple. That is the place I would expect to be stopped. At every time, one of those two temples, I get bored and I never go back and I lose the save data. Um, Wow. That game gets a lot better when you hit Gerudo Valley. I am impressed at what it does for a 3D world, I have to say. Its immersion for 1998 is absolutely top-notch. I would have to say, my favorite area in the entire game, by leaps and bounds, is Kakariko Village. There is so much good world-building there. You get to explore three-dimensional space in such a clever way with the Kukos. Mm-hmm has good time puzzles, the shooting gallery is there in the future, and that's fun. You get to see all of these characters, and then see where they end up after Ganon takes over in the future time. And I feel like that's the most pronounced, because Kakariko actually gets to live a little, mm -hmm. instead of just being completely bulldozed for plot reasons, like Castletown is. And, like, everywhere else. <laughs> well, Lon Lon survives, but that's just a minigame. I guess, yeah, 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 long lines are there. Yeah. Playing this game has made me realize that I really, really love Zelda towns and worlds and exploring and lore and how they end up connecting with each other. Mm -hmm. Like, the geopolitical yeah. politics of the Zora King has the toad that the man at the fishing house can turn into eye drops for the big Goron, and everyone knows each other in these little things. And the girl's brother who goes into the Lost Woods, you give him the cuckoo and he's like, I believe in life again. Here's something so that you can give me medicine so I don't die. You come back, you get the medicine, and there's just this little girl there. And she's like, oh, yeah, everyone who is a Kokiri who enters the forest becomes a Stalfos. Everyone. You stole that fucking mushroom from me. Can I take the medicine? <laughs> cool. Here's his saw. <laughs> All of the little things that Zelda does to make such an air-connected world is so strong and so good, and it makes me realize, damn, that's why I love um, Link's Awakening and why I love Majora's Mask so much, because they're games that absolutely celebrate that all the time. 
And it also makes me realize, damn, I really don't care for Zelda dungeons most of the time. I just want to be in towns. I can see that. I can see that. I guess I would ask from that point, what does make a good Zelda dungeon for you? Uh, be the spirit temple. Because that's the one dungeon in this game where I'm like, everything has clicked. The Force Temple is pretty good, but I love the idea of the Spirit Temple, which marries its identity and theming along with its puzzle design. Little things like being able to use... I love that you use the mirror shield to find the entrance to the boss room, which is sealed inside of the face of the Gerudo Goddess. Like, little things like that that create a lore within the dungeon, as well as being able to use your tools in an interconnected way. And also, not making the punishment having to go back and do something again. It's just, figure out this room, figure out how they connect, and move on. Not, don't fall off, or you'll have to go through five different rooms again that yeah. take up about four minutes the fucking Fire Temple, oh my god. Yeah, it's funny, I felt pretty positively about the Fire Temple, but that reminded me, just, okay, yeah, no, that, that's, that's completely fair. I like the ideas of the Fire Temple, every punishment it has is waste your time. And there is no, I would rather die than have my time wasted. In a game. <laughs> Water Temple I thought was Okay, but you get to that point where you're missing one key and you're backtracking through every room wondering how to get to it. Get, getting around just constantly pausing. It's, it's, it's the constant pausing just, just murders it. The constant pausing, I don't hate. I get that it's technical limitations. I would prefer the 3DS version's much more elegant thing of having the boots be an equipable weapon. Um, combat in that game sucks. I never once had fun with combat. I mean, has combat ever really been the focus of a Zelda game? Yeah, it's great in Wind Waker. Oh, yeah. I don't and know Twilight if I call Princess. It that. No, I love it. I just love the rhythm of Wind Waker. Press A before they hit you. Yeah, there's that nice bit. There's the pairing, and there's just the sound effects of the mm mm mm. Sound effects are good. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll give yeah. you. I'll give you that. Like, there's a good bit of immersion. Ocarina is just. Do you do the forward thrust? And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. I don't. I don't understand the difference in complexity. Between Stalfos, Wolfos, Dark Link, and the Gerudo guards. Oh, well, Wolfos, you just wait for them to turn around. Well, exactly. But, like, why, that doesn't work on Stalfos because they're guarding. And then the Gerudo guards, sometimes it just doesn't work because they dodge. And on Dark Link, it's just like, fuck it, I guess use Din's fire. I mean, Stalfos, you just wait for them to start attacking, then you stab them. Well, yeah, Gerudos, but sometimes I it. Can't rem I can't I, I don't think I've played the Spirit Temple Grudel portion for like 15 years. I can barely remember that part of the game. Yeah, that was the best part of the game. Was it? I don't remember feeling yeah, that. Yeah, because you have a good stealth Temple section. So much more than that area. And then you have the Gerudo Training Ground, which is the best dungeon in the game. That's because true. You, yes. Because you actually have dungeon. to use all of your things and figure out puzzles in a time limit. And that's clever. The more Gerudo Training Grounds I can get in my Zelda, the better. Shadow Temple is cool and fine, but most of it is theming, I will admit. As soon but as you get on. It's such good theming, it's though. It's really good theming, but it doesn't connect to anything, and then the final boss what, the is whole like. the graveyard outside of everything? The, the well? The overall it nasty connects vibes to Dompe, yeah, but it doesn't hit the same vibes of the Sheikah tribe that it's going for. It's just, there's a boat now. 
Now the boss is Donkey Konga. Can you beat Donkey Konga? Cool. I don't know, maybe I'm headcanoning that's the source of, like, the undead that, like, infected Castletown and stuff, because that's where they all came from. I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. Dead Hand is so much cooler than Bongo Bongo. That's true. But, like, there's, I think Dead Hand's one of the coolest designs in the entire game. Yeah, he's so disturbing, it's the worst. I love it. Just, mm. It's clearly the first draft of Zelda in 3D, and I yes. get why it's beloved. I thought it was I. I, I can see that based on what you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's a game where if you say that it's your favorite game of all time, I will respect the hell out of it. I get it. It's not something it connects to me on the same level, except for that one guy who died in the forest, what the fuck, and uh, the Gerudo training ground. And a little bit of Spirit Temple. Spirit Temple's good. I, I love the Iron Knuckle fight. Just when it takes away four hearts from you and you go, oh shit, okay. <laughs> Uh, God, I miss Iron Knuckles. How has that not been a more consistent thing? Just an axe that's as big as you are? That's terrifying. Yes. Okay, and that is everything that I've done solo this month, so. Mm hmm, mm hmm. I'm trying to think of like a clever way to introduce this. Yeah. And my brain is just coming up absolutely blank. Probably, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've. I should talk Zelda. I don't think I should uh, introduce this segment. <laughs> I, th I think you need to get it so that the heat goes off of me and off to you. Oh, but now I just... Oh, but it's so juicy now. I want to... All right, fine, fine, fine. So we decided, like, you know, the Mario movie sounds like pretty cool. What, what if we just went to see that? Yeah. We met. We met up for it. Me, you, Gooms, and Connor. You all flew into my city and we just hung out for a bit. Yeah, watched Mario, played a bunch days. of N64 games. Yeah. And it was a great time. It was awesome. We had an N64 setup. We had a Switch that we barely used. Uh, we hung out. We had really good Belgian food that one time. That was great. That was really good. I was surprised by that. Right? That's one of the best beef sausages I've ever had. But yeah, we met. Uh, here's a picture of uh, when Duke and I met. Yeah. Alrighty. But yeah, we played a bunch of Nintendo 64 games together, so... Let's just go down the list. And, like, I'd argue that, most importantly, absolutely have to start with, is there a game better than Elmo's Letter Adventure? I did pop off when I heard Ernie ask you if you want to go on an underwater adventure, and Elmo answered, Hey, underwater adventure! <laughs> it, it made my little vine sauce heart happy to know, yes, this was the game. Uh, I can't speak of it because I refuse to touch it. Was it, was it Gooms or Connor that brought it? Uh, that was Gooms. <laughs> what an inspired pick. Absolutely. It's a shitty game where you walk up to letters, and it's not even that good at teaching kids, because, like, you'll just... You'll swap between upper and lowercase, and some of them are just, is this a lowercase L or an uppercase I? And there's none of those little... What are those called on, le on fonts? The little frills, the little edges... Serifs? There's no serifs. I, I guess. Anywhere. Okay. So it's not that helpful, but like it was a fun waste of an hour. <laughs> Listen, I love like the part where Connor took too long on the mermaid level, so they shunned him and sent him <laughs> back to the next one because he was too bad at letters. <laughs> just decided that he wasn't good enough. Oh no, the kid's struggling to find the last bits. Let's just reset it and have him go through a different area. Uh oh. Uh. So that was our only single-player adventure. <laughs> 
Amazing. Uh, first one we did, I believe, was Pokemon Stadium 2. I think it was actually Banjo-Tooie first. Oh, was it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, first one we did was Pokemon Stadium 2. <laughs> and uh, I liked the part where you switched in a Macargo against a water type. You and know, I realized I didn't have to think. I don't remember what my thought process was there. I really don't. I don't remember if it was yours because we were doing the 2v2, so it could have been Connor's thought process. Oh, I no, think it might Macargo have been a misinput. I picked it. I think he was the one that swapped into it. I think it was a misinput and meant to be something else. Oh. But we were losing regardless. Yeah, uh, I got curse slacks up, and then you kept hitting me with frickin' sand attack from Sand Slash. <laughs> Which is so funny, because you tried to use the accuracy against me, and it I just did. didn't work. It was the most Earthquake agonizing every thing. every single time. <sighs> and it took you like six tries to hit me back. The funniest part of that game was uh, Pokemon Gold Silver Crystal trivia. <laughs> just little bits of... Meryl is blue. What color is Meryl? And it eventually hit the point of just like, okay, what is this question? Okay, okay, okay. Okay, it's it's the first letters are letters are how are the answer to this is eight. Yes. But it would be a little things so of like, it shows a picture of a parasect, and then it would be like, how many legs does a machop have? <laughs> just to just to kind of throw you off. That was a great time. Yes. Uh, and the mini games were fun. Oh yeah, they're always fun. Yeah, I feel so old. I've gotten so much worse at that log cutting mini game. <laughs> uh, I used to be able to do that perfect every single time. Now I'm an aged man. Didn't you still win regardless? No, I lost that one, but I did win the overall. Okay, okay, okay. Are you, are you kidding? I'm professionally ranked. I'm great at mini games. Of, of course, of course. I'm, yeah. I'm not doubting you. I'm not doubting you. Uh, we played through Banjo-Tooie, every single game of that multiplayer mode. Mm-hmm. I'm curious as to your thoughts, because I've played a lot of Banjo-Tooie. Uh, it was a good time, for sure. Uh, mm -hmm. I loved the, uh, in, in the shootouts, the, like, little Battlefront 2 drone you could send out to explode. Oh, the Clockwork Kazooie is those so much fun. So great. I love that so much. Also, the landmine eggs. Yes. Those are an absolute pain, absolute blast. Uh, I will say... I had a general distaste for it now. I definitely don't like the N64 controller now. It is so hard to aim in a 3D space with that thing. I agree with you, but it didn't affect... It didn't hurt me as much as I thought it would, because it's it's clearly inferior to Twin Stick. Yeah, absolutely. Like, very much so. But I feel like most of the maps compensate for that. Oh yeah, it's very angular areas, but even... You fight in a lot of boxes. Yes, yes, yes. And I, I don't think any of the maps in 2E were as bad as some of the ones in games we played later. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that was fun. Um, as always, trivia is just fun. That was so... I've never played 2E before. So it eventually just came to a point of just, okay, I'm going to hit the button first and just take the 25% chance just to try to get out of the negative numbers. No, I get you. But at some point, it's just so much fun seeing here's a picture from the game. And it shows a bookshelf, and then one of Gooms or Connor will go like, okay, I know what level that's from. And then the question will just, the answers will show up because they buzzed before the question shows up. And it ends up as like, 18, 146, 312. <laughs> it's 
it's, it's not just like how many books are on screen yes. right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just such a good time. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed my time replaying 2E, revisiting a lot of those games. Some of them did not age well, like the freaking submarine one. Oh, God. <laughs> but some of them were fun, like bringing any of the ones where you control Solo Kazooie just jumping through things or spinning at things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you were, you're all really bad at kickball, I've noticed. Uh, yes, extremely so. I was like, wow, freest wins of my life. Uh, Smash 64? It's Smash 64. It's Smash. Smash is always a good time. I was surprised by how much I ended up enjoying it at the end because it has such a different mentality from every other Smash game. Because hit stun is just so long. So it's one of the few games where defensive options feel so weak and you just swing. Mm hmm. Like, I feel trying to play Smash 64 smart is a fool's errand. Absolutely. And when I just started throwing myself at people and spamming DK forward air, everything went better. It was so funny just going through that and being so used to future Smash games, just having the moments, oh god, I can't charge these up. Oh god, this stupid Mario 64 level has no edges on this moving platform. This is so stupid. Oh, that's the worst stage. There's such a feeling of immediacy to Smash 64 that I don't feel that any game post-Melee gets. Yes. Like, there's just a feeling of you are off stage and you have just enough time to realize, oh, no way in hell I'm surviving this, and then you die. And I like that so much more than the zoom-in. I agree, I agree. Where half the the time you survive. (laughs) Yeah, the the way you kind of just drift off the stage makes for a lot of great moments where two people get knocked off and one of them just kind of jumps up towards the other one and knocks them away. It's way easier to do that than in other Smash games. Maybe Smash 4, but Smash 4 is bad in many other ways. Yeah. And the cheer when you make it from off stage from a ridiculous amount is probably one of the best sound effects in a Smash game. Absolutely. That and the ray gun sound design this game. Why does that go so hard? Right? I forgot about that. Like, the sound design in general is amazing, but that one specifically... It fits the comic book just sort of pop aesthetic of the instruction manual and general art style so well. Mm -hmm. Just damn, I like that. The home run bat is so fast. Like, what were they thinking with that? They were thinking this would be a fun item. what it is it feels a lot more focused for the party game centric just have some fun yeah yeah and i appreciate that i liked it a lot more than i thought i was gonna going in absolutely absolutely sector z is so freaking big oh my god why (laughs) it's like twice the size of future games i'm so used to corneria being a little baby stage because like they didn't compensate for the brawl character models being bigger and i don't Mm -hmm. think they ever quite did in the future but sector z my god it's like made to scale with fox it's so funny Uh, i don't remember an order so i'm just going to say these in things i think we have the most to say uh pokemon puzzle league uh you are ridiculous well okay so what happened was we eventually just was cycling between me connor and gooms just trying to take a single round off of pier and we were sitting there for like an hour and a half before somebody finally took one. Oh, it was the most painful thing realizing about three seconds before i lost wow i don't have enough moves to do this um damn yeah damn they're going to get this one aren't they 
That's a shame. Uh, so yeah, shamefully, uh, my overall record was a mere 54 and 1. I feel like it was more than 54. No, I counted, dude. It's 54 and 1. <laughs> okay, okay. I think it was like 23, it was like 21 full sets and then an extra game. Oh, I love gosh. that game a whole lot. I definitely see the, the appeal. It was so fun just to be constantly shit-talking the various... Just the voice lines that would go along with every single... A fucking cloister's just like, Cloister. 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 <laughs> like I was at the point of, guys, stop losing too early. I need you to hear the funny cloister line. <laughs> I was at the point of, okay, guys, I've beaten you with every character in the roster. Do we want to stop? No, this is a no. mission. <laughs> this is personal. I think he beat me on freaking Krabby or something. Krabby was my one soldier who died. Uh, have you seen Krabby? It's just no thoughts, head empty. Yeah. It makes sense. I guess so. Uh, I went back and I played it with Tarvold when I got back, and it's amazing. He is slightly better than me at Tetris Attack Impaled Upon, but I am slightly better than him at Pokemon Puzzle League. Didn't you go once for like seven minutes on a single round? Yes. Wow. And just last night, I just uh, redid Super Hard to feel alive again, and I'm constantly going like four or five minutes with the computer every round, because uh. my style is very, very survivalist, which wasn't shown much in our games because uh, you guys were on like, level four and I was on level seven. Yeah, so. you kind of didn't have to survive most of the time. Yeah. But I, I kill slowly is my issue. If I figured it out, then I could probably kill faster and get much better times and much more consistent against the computer. But I love when those rounds get dragged out for several minutes at a time. Because after you hit the two-minute point, it becomes almost agonizing. Mm -hmm. Of just, something has to give from someone. But no, it took me a good 20 games to start seeing the code against you guys. Like, I fell asleep, <laughs> and then when I felt like I woke up again, I was like... I feel it. I feel the cosmos in my body. This is incredible. <laughs> I'm now going to start singing all of the background songs. Please don't die before I finish the lyrics. Uh, we often did. You did. I was very did. disappointed. See, that's the one fighting game I'm good at. <laughs> uh, played Goldeneye for the first time ever. Yeah, first for me as well. Uh, that's a game. I liked parts of it. Gotta, gotta love that one cave map we did. With, oh, that like, fucking cave the landmines. Yeah. You can't even see where you're going, and then you'll just randomly explode. Oh my god, if I could adjust the brightness on anything, just that map. And only that map. That was a nightmare. Facility was fun, though. Yeah. The, the rocket launcher one. I, I like the third-person um, uh, shooting when you have some sort of explosive weapon. You just kind of have to aim in the general area. Yes. I am surprised by how well it holds up, considering how poorly I've heard it's aged. I mean, I still think it's poorly aged, it's just still fun. <laughs> I think it compensates for everything pretty wonderfully. I do think that you die too slowly, but that's also a complaint I have with Halo. But, like, that's just the Halo feel. But in general, outside of Oddjob, who has the obvious issue of needing to tilt the camera down... Mm -hmm. It, the game compensates for itself pretty nicely in just the ability to actually hit things in the way that levels are designed. Like, I expected much worse and much clunkier. 
I was expecting near tank in how you had to aim. But playing it, I'm like, no, I can see how people went for just an entire day playing this game. I can see that, yeah. I was impressed. What can I say? Alrighty. Uh, but it wasn't nearly as good as Conker's Bad Fur Day. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know that game had a multiplayer mode before that day, and that was that was probably the game I had the most fun with. I will dare say it is outside of my obvious love for games that I love and am really good at on the N64, I would say that that is the best multiplayer on the Nintendo 64. I think I'd agree with that. Yeah, yeah. There's a good amount of variety. Not all of it's balanced. That one raptor mode is just so easy. Yeah, but you get to be a raptor, and that moment where I had the knives and just stud-locked you to death felt incredible. Uh, just just the screams as just you go run around the corner and there's just one of the they're like 20 times bigger than you are running at you and you're just like oh i guess i'm dead now yeah but on the other hand you get to be a raptor exactly and it feels that way yeah it's great uh still love the beach mode just that constant noise of your little frenchman going hi 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 just such a fun counter-operative mode where you get to bully everyone as the teddies, but you can't bully one person too much or else you will die. <laughs> uh, it gives you just... just enough time that every run feels meaningful. Exactly, yeah. But we only played one more mode in it, and that was heist mode. and Which is I, the best one. Yeah, I, I think there's no doubt that we all just love that one. That, first off, the best music in the game behind it. <laughs> Uh, the constant shit talking from all the goons. Got the dough. Now I'm gonna blow. I'm gonna blow. Uh, the fact that their six hit combo has a different voice line for every hit <laughs> that ends up in for all six health points. Take this, you son of a bitch. Uh, I, the, the various mind games of just maybe you let that person go and just wait at the center for the. Uh, next money back to spawn or you actually try to defend this person because if the other person takes it like they're the, the person that's got it now is is three points behind they're never gonna win but this person could tie it up so let's just make sure they get away mm -hmm. uh, it's it's such a free form gameplay experience where the rules of how you behave with each other just kind of flow and change as you go which is so fun yes and the fact that it only spawns one weapon of each type so that when someone has the bazooka, you're like, oh shit, they have the bazooka. But at the same time, if I kill them, I can have the bazooka. <laughs> exactly. But if you kill somebody and you're just too close to them, you just accidentally pick up their weapon. Just like, God yes. damn it, I've just got the crossbow again. That freaking crossbow. I, I, I will say I hated it 95% of the time. There was one point where I got a headshot and killed somebody instantly. And I just thought, oh, okay. If this was a good controller, this would feel amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, it is on Rare Replay on Xbox One, this multiplayer. Oh, that would be really fun, right? Oh. But yeah, we didn't get to play the other modes of, like, Deathmatch or Capture the Flag or the bad ones. I don't think they would have compared to Heist. Oh, they would Heist not have. Just so much fun. Heist has always by far been my favorite, and I'm glad to absolutely cement that. Even if I do have great fondness for the other modes as well. Like, 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 beach is the perfect mode to breach people in the game with. Of just, okay, it's shooting, but it's weird. 
I forgot to list it here, but we did also play a ton of Kirby 64's multiplayer. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't have much to say about that. It's just a nice, wholesome time. Chuckabur Chase is so fun. Yes. I forgot how frustrating Bumper Crop Bop is. Bumper Crop Bump? Bumper Crop Bump sounds right. I, I love that one because it's so fun just to throw people into bombs. It's such bullshit that it gets rid of all the fruit that you've caught, but it's... <laughs> oh, totally. But it, it took a learning curve, and then when I got there, I was like, hee hee, I am the bully. And I was like, okay, pick our characters, and I just sit there and go... D-D-D. And then 100-yard hop is just, you guys are not as strong at hit the buttons as I am. It's and just that felt mini good. Games. Yeah, checkerboard's still amazing. Oh, yeah. And I, I was so happy to destroy you all. Like, yes, I've still got it. I, yes. Years of training have paid off. If only I could win $500 playing this. Right? We gotta get the checkerboard chase esports scene going. Exactly! You can do it. You have a YouTube channel. You have the power. Just instead of a peasant's perspective, just do a checkerboard chase tournament. A $10 prize pool, and I win just because of emulator lag. Well, yeah, just give everyone, like, a $5 buy-in. And everything's perfect. (laughs) But there was one game that uh, I think the multiplayer experience revolved around, and that was Mario Party 2. Because, of course. Yes. Uh, We didn't have Bowserland unlocked, so we played every board so that we could unlock Bowserland, and then we played Bowserland. So I was almost delirious for one of these games, so I... You have a lot... You have a lot less Mario Party experience than me, so I'd like you to just describe describe the experience of playing Mario Party with me. Uh, I have never had, like, an in-person uh, Mario Party experience outside of my family, which we never had enough controllers to get everybody in. Mm-hmm. So I always kind of felt like a just a lesser experience. Right. But uh, that was absolutely delightful. It was so annoying, though, how heavily people were just not willing to stab each other in the back. There were deals going back and forth, and they were held. There was no backstabbing at all. God damn it. <laughs> well, see, that's why I made deals with Connor. And to be fair, you had ample opportunity to backstab me in the Horror Land game, and you did not. I don't remember. <laughs> there was one point was that- where you upheld your bargain with me. <laughs> Oh, right. Okay, no, yeah. No, yeah. But you hadn't screwed me over before then, and I, I, felt, I felt okay with that one. Connor, like, carried one over from a previous game, and that one genuinely annoyed me. <laughs> Dude! That's not how this works! That's how I play the game, baby. I know the multi-game strats. Uh, half of them were just so frustrating, just not... Just having a feeling of like, okay, I just don't know the timing on this and I can't compete. While others were just, I don't know the timing, but I'm better than everybody else at these for some reason. Yeah. No, that I get that. slot car one, I don't understand why, but I... I don't get how like you're times. that good at it, but you're great at it. I just clicked. I, I blame the, the N64 controller. <laughs> so many times. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, fucking crane game. The amount, the amount of panic I had... Knowing that this was unlosable, and almost losing it by like two seconds on multiple locations. I was so pissed at that game that I lost minigame by one, (laughs) coins by one, (laughs) happening by one. (laughs) 
Like, literally, everything had to go wrong for me on that last turn, and it did. Oh, that was so good. Oh, but that was an absolute blast. It was it was the N64 multiplayer couch co-op experience that I have, did not have from my childhood, and I was so happy to finally have it. I didn't have much of it either. I mostly played Mario Party either by myself or with a single person, but having that full experience is just, it's so good to finally hit it. Just so nicely. I do wish we had Mario Party 1 so that we could have just destroyed our hands, though. No, thank you. <laughs> no. I'll pass. No, you, you have to bleed for 10 coins. You gotta do it. <laughs> but yeah, congrats. Uh, you never beat a ranked Mario Party professional, but you did well. I placed higher than you a few times. I never won. Did you? I think so. There's one that you just got utterly screwed over. I can't remember which one it was. I, Might have oh, been... oh, probably Mystery Land, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I'm pretty sure I got first, first, second, second, third. M maybe. I know I won two of them. I, I, I won Western the and Bowser. for the third. I just remember making that mental note, being like, oh, okay, I, I did it once. I, I feel content with this. No, I, I know I won Western and Bowser. I got second on space and horror, and I think I just punted mystery. Still mad about that Horrorland loss. Still <laughs> bitter, bitter, bitter. <sighs> also, we went to a barcade. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. That was just a really, really neat time. A lot more vintage machines than I expected. I mean, I guess I should have expected it, given... The barcade's probable age range, but, like, I was yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, up, I'm with the air. But they had a broken ski ball machine that we kept just throwing balls into. <laughs> that was fun. That was. There was, a, there was a board game for Oregon Trail, but, like, half the cards were missing. Yeah. I died of uh, dysentery. You died of dysentery immediately, and I had to ford, like, three rivers by myself in a row. <laughs> and just every time, like, I lost an ox. Oh, I lost some food, but I made it across the river. Do I need clothes? Yes, I need clothes. Good thing I got this thing where the clothes happen so that I can use the clothes to survive the winter. I have not drawn a single fort and now I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, just a, an array of pinball machines. Uh, we all played the X-Men arcade game. <laughs> Fucking Dazzler. Dazzler. I should have taken your guys' money because all three of them were convinced that Dazzler was male. And I was sitting here like, no, Dazzler's a girl. Uh, anyway, that wasn't a very good game. <laughs> it was not. <laughs> you, you hit the buttons, and sometimes you hit the critical art that takes away some of your health, and boy howdy, did Final Fight do it better. But what was a good game, though, was Metal Slug 3. Yeah! That was great. Like, I think that took $20 each from us. <laughs> Something like that. But oh my god. Well, probably not that much. It's, it's in... Well, actually... Bro, that last level was like an hour long. That was so bad. And that wasn't our fault that it was an hour long. It was just an hour long for no reason. And it was like the best level of a shoot-em-up I've ever played. The, those, those clones of your character that would just spit acid and cover the entire screen? Yes, kill them before they spawn. Some of the most immaculate sprite work I've ever seen. Oh, definitely. People die in the most beautiful ways, and then also you can get fat. 
It's like the best combination of just this cartoony art style and horrible violence in a way that it feels gratuitous, but not like snuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It feels exaggerated in an incredibly fun way. And then just the spectacle of that final level. Oh, my God. Absolutely. And then coming off of beating the aliens at the pyramid with an impossible boss, I'm like, okay, okay, if this next level is not the last level, we have to be done. My hand hurts so badly. And then you see final <laughs> mission start, and you're like, well, we have to beat the final mission. And then it was just three missions worth of mission. Yeah. It was go in the plane, go in the forest with a jetpack, beat the man in the helicopter, beat the man in the helicopter, but you have a chain gun this time. Go into space. Now it's a space shooter. Now you're an alien. Now you're in the thing. Now escape. Now beat the alien boss as you're free falling to Earth while he is holding you in his hands and you are a tank. Ah, <laughs> uh, fantastic set pieces. It was so fun. It absolutely was. I... I was debating going back and forth between X and 3, but after that final mission, I'm like, no, no, Mel Slug 3 is, oh my god, it's so much better than I even remember. Like, that just shoots up my top 100 after that. Nice. And then also we played Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the best racing game. I'm not there yet, but I can see the appeal. Yeah, I get you. You, you have to play the levels and learn them. At the same time, I feel like even from a basic level, I think it's fun. And I think just as a spectacle, it's really fun. Definitely very pretty. Yeah. Yeah. And just the, the stupid amount of power-ups that happened. Oh my god, that fucking clock. I did not realize the split screen made it that present. Uh, it, it, made, it made my constant eighth place significantly more worth it. Just hearing you constantly come I, I, I will confess... I kind of just started watching your screen and it's been like, okay, when would be the worst time for a clock to go off? <laughs> well, that's why it kept happening. The fact <laughs> that I got second in one of the races made me so upset. Because uh. I felt like there was an expectation and I met it 90% of the time. But that 10% wherein my girl, Circus Megumi, had to not be in first place, that was awful. <laughs> Uh, just, just these little blemishes on your perfect record. What are you going to do? Puzzle League and this? Yeah, I have to cry now. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'll just mop up my tears with all of my dirty Mario Party money. <laughs> <sighs> it was such a fun time, man. Thank you again oh, oh, yeah. for hosting. I'd say any time, but that's expensive to like fly. But like, very fun. Yeah, exactly. Return the favor someday. I'd be glad to have you. Absolutely. Will do, will do, will yeah. do. Alrighty. Okay, I think that's video games. I believe so. Yeah. Future sights. Future sight! Thank you for remembering the name of the segment, because I couldn't. <laughs> I was just like, uh... you almost You almost died getting here. Like, don't, don't worry about it. Yeah, it's okay. I, I survived my time. The coyotes outside my home would not get me this day. <sighs> Alrighty, so just a general news cycle. I didn't pull that much, but I pulled a decent amount, so let's just go for it. Right. 
All right, uh, they have already been released, but I feel like it's an important thing to say. Uh, the Final Fantasy Pixel Remasters on Switch and PS4 are out on April 19th with a readable font. Impossible. The legends are true? They did it? They did it. It took them this long, and they're like, I think, $100 collections for the first six FF games. Ah, but you could have them in a readable font. Ah, c c crazy. Like, we actually made the text-based heavily text-based RPG playable. Huzzah! Right? Maybe I'll finally get to play Final Fantasy V. That, that's one that I've never touched, but I've always been, this is probably what I like about Final Fantasy, isn't it? He's got the Barts and Gilgamesh thing going. I remember that from Dissidia. Yeah. I don't know how much of that translates over. No, it does. Okay, good. good. He's got X-Death. He's, he's a tree. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Plus, it'll be nice just to experience a lot of that remastered music for FF6. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they are thoroughly redone soundtracks. Like, Terra's theme, for some reason, has a sexy saxophone in it, and it sounds great, but really oh, off-putting. Because okay. <laughs> it's it's a very somber theme, and then it's just, mmm, mmm, Terra, mmm, saxophone's sliding all over. In any case, um, Five Nights at Freddy's movie, releasing October 27th. Okay. What do you mean, That's... okay? Like, I'm shocked this didn't happen earlier. I don't have a, I guess it doesn't feel real yet without a trailer. Because hasn't this been in the news cycle for years? Yeah, but it's, it's like, got oh, yeah, a solid release date and posters, and they're actually starting to do publicity. Like, it's not Metal Gear movie level of, oh, of course it's happening. It, it feels like this is probably the time where it's happening. Okay. I, I could see that being a solid B-tier horror movie kind of deal. I would be interested to see where it goes. Because that's a fun premise. That's why it survived. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Do you, do you have any connection to Freddy's? I played it once at a summer camp because the kids asked me to, and I got through night one, no problems. I went, okay, that's enough. Um, my, I, I, I got Persona 5, Five Nights at Freddy's in the Tarvolds test thing. I think that's the closest connection I have to it. Oh, that's right. You did do that. I just recognized the music box. I did not. So well done. No, there's not many games that start with five. Yeah, okay. Uh, Harada continues to confirm Heihachi Mishima will still be dead in Tekken 8. He also very reluctantly confirms that Rollback Netcode will be here. Good! I love how grumpy he is about it. Because he is like, Tekken 7 already has Rollback, and everyone went, Well, then it's bad Rollback! And they went, Fine! <laughs> We'll put in the role. Okay, whatever. Anyway, here's a trailer for Leroy. But yeah, I'm I'm glad that Heihachi is dead. Yeah, yeah. Too many games. It it makes it hard to keep stay invested in the stories when it feels like nothing really happens because things just keep being, getting brought back. Well, that's the hardest thing about a fighting game. You can't really kill off a character because then you're killing a competitive play style for the sake of a story. I mean, but you just have to find somebody else to take it on. Well, yeah, that's what they usually do. But at the same time, there's a feel and there's an identity. Like, like, what if I killed King Dedede in Smash Brothers and he was dead? <laughs> and I could <laughs> say that I would be so invested in that story if that happened. Well, yes, I am. But then competitively, no I replace him with like freaking I don't know, Brom from Fire Emblem Nine. 
And he has the same playstyle, but it's Braum from Fire Emblem 9. That sounds kind of hilarious, though, dude. <laughs> it sounds hilarious, but it's not Dedede anymore. If, if Dedede was killed in a satisfying emotional way, I wouldn't care. Like, I am not one of those people. Like, it's overly attached to a specific playstyle. I'm there more for the character theming. So as long as it goes out in a good way, I wouldn't mind. For characters that become, like, a person's identity... I can't understand how that feel. Like, if they killed Donkey Kong, I don't think I could play the Donkey Kong replacement. <laughs> what if it was punished Donkey Kong Jr. Just trying to, trying to event? Oh no, just it, it was a, it was a time skip Diddy Kong. I he's got, want like, Diddy Kong to now. be big. I won't want no, him to he's have not big. big freakish arms. He's just really strong now. <laughs> he's yeah, but the then training. his hitboxes would be weird. Like, that, that doesn't work. You'd have to be, like... He's got a sword now, a cutlass. Okay, admittedly, if it were Swanky Kong, and he just took up the mantle, I'd be okay. <laughs> yeah, actually, you just have to find a satisfying continuation for fans of the character. Yeah, but that that's not me every time. I, I, I'm a weird Donkey Kong guy. Everyone can't be me. That'd be awful. I don't know. I will always push back on those just like, no, this can't change for fighting games, because I feel like that's one of the biggest things holding back those games from growing. Just trying to spend so much development time just trying to remake something that has already existed. Well, see, they, they tried doing that, and that game was called Street Fighter 3, and everyone hated it. They hated it initially, but now look back on it very fondly for what it did for the series. No, they really like the third version of that that included Ryu, Ken, Chun-Li, and Akuma. I was not even aware. Oh, Third Strike. Yeah, that Third Strike. Okay. Yeah, uh, New Challengers, uh, Second Impact, Third Strike. Yeah, no, people hate it. Like, there are ways to do it well, and there are ways to do it really poorly. Just compare the Mortal Kombat 10 kids, who then all got shuffled back by 11 because people preferred the original versions, but then they had a good landing at least. And then compare them to the Soul Calibur 5 kids, which everyone hated. Not honestly, not familiar enough with Soul Calibur. I didn't know there were kids for the characters. Yeah, they had like a twenty-year time skip in Soul Calibur Five, and everyone ah. hated it. Unlike the twenty-year time skip in Tekken Three, which everyone loved because they're like, "Oh no, Paul's old now," and then Paul just beats your ass and does better in the tournament than he ever has. They're like, "Oh shit, Paul fucks." <laughs> Monster Hunter Now, a mobile game from Capcom and Niantic will launch on September 23rd. Shit. <laughs> this is in here for you, buddy. God damn it. Ah, <laughs> uh, you found the one franchise that could get me just hyper-invested in Niantic's games again. Because, like, they've been really screwing over Pokemon Go lately. Oh, I noticed. Aren't they taking away mobile rating or something? No, but they're making it almost twice as expensive. Oh. Yeah, okay. Just... So much price gouging. But now you just had to grab my favorite franchise ever with just that's Pokemon, but better in every way. God, you, you want. Oh, you mean Persona? Taking, no, I mean Monster Hunter. Oh, <laughs> uh, but you said Pokemon, but better in every way. No, that's Monster Hunter Stories. Uh, just, but I, I love the creature designs of Monster Hunter so much. You're telling me I can just have that same, like, kind of collect a thon, but hunting and just. God damn it! This is the reaction I wanted. I'm so upset and excited at the same time. I have nothing more to add. I just no, want to revel either. in this a I'm little bit. I'm just upset. 
great. You know what I'm upset about? What? Things that might not be real, because footage leaked from a Sega investors meeting showing footage from uh, pre-release Sonic Frontiers, but also showing what appears to be a Persona 3 remake. There is footage of Yukari from Persona 3 in far better graphics than we've ever had defeating an enemy. Interesting. Was it like, I, I never saw that, but I heard of it. Is how, is it like Persona 5-esque stylus? Are they going for an entirely different take? Are they trying to be it, like it's a different... It's such a quick see-it-and-you-miss-it kind of thing. It's it's a sizzle reel thing. So oh, okay, it, okay. it's mostly just Persona 5 quality modeled Yukari killing a regular shadow with a wind spell and doing some poses. And then a really, really early version of Beat from Jet Set Radio just kind of hanging out in what looks like the most beta thing in the world. I'm just like, we gotta have something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I don't put much stock in the Jet Set Radio thing, because there's so many games that are just kind of presented like that, only to be scrapped later. Yes. It sounds like 3 Remake is probably long enough to, and like it's a remake of a popular game, that's a lot mm-hmm. safer. Yes. It it hurts that this one might be real. It was presented in a way that was convincing enough. Oh, geez, yeah, I just looked up the footage. That is... Wow, okay. No, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah no, no, that's like Sega money behind it, if real. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. one very, very dedicated fan. Who would probably make more if they just did porn. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about, probably? I don't know. I'll, I'll pretend to know how much you make from that. Anyway, it's just, it's so hard talking about- Is it a positive about- thing or a negative thing for you? Is like, is there any worry about a Persona 3 remake? Or is it uh, just like, Yes, that it exist? won't have the female route. Oh. And right. also that there are- Persona 4 has a lot of what I would call cultural issues in it, where you look at it and go, uh- uh, oh, oh, this was the times, wasn't it? And then you see those same kind of things in Persona 5 and go, Oh, it's not the times, they just actually think it's funny. Persona 3 has a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot more of that is focused on the mail route. So, of all of the Persona games to remake, even considering some of the content of 4, I think you would have to be the most careful with Persona 3. I just don't know if they have it in them to do it well. It will be uh, an interesting case study, at the very least. It it will be. Like, I will be very, very interested in how this can turn up, but I'm not, like, hype, let's fucking go with it. I am hype under these very specific conditions. And also the fact that uh, the female route was mainly only possible because it was a PSP game and they could do so much in a visual novel style, remaking all of those assets, all of those character models, all of those unique locations that they had for it, changing up the soundtrack and everything, that would be a lot. Yeah. That's that's... a lot of dev time. They're going to make it a royal expansion to it. They're going to milk the... Basically split it in two, make it as two separate games. That makes sense from a business perspective. That It does it, make but... sense to get like a, that or like just $40 DLC for it mm-hmm. or something. But, ooh, I don't know if I'd be hyped with it unless that was announced beforehand. Mm-hmm. Like, it's such a precarious position, the P3 remake. 
But you know what's not in a precarious position? What would that be? That's Street Fighter Six, baby. That, yeah, I broken record but my god that looks so good i don't care i'm going to keep bringing it up did you see all the shit that they announced i i don't know if i have because there was so much shit announced. there was um i haven't got my hands on the open beta but that is a thing that you can just play game now if you want oh yeah yeah i, I i've talked about this before i genuinely generally try to avoid the open betas in favor of just experiencing the full course meal on the day it's released I can agree with that, but this is a fighting game. So, like, being able to feel it beforehand is real important. So, like, that may be my one exception. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've lost my PS4 controller, so I'm safe. Oh, well, yeah. I guess that's a silver lining. Yeah, there we go. Uh, with that said, worries about the PS4 version? Unfounded. Looks great, runs smooth. Excellent. World Tour mode seems to be totally expanded. Uh, did you see the stuff that you do with your custom character now? <laughs> oh, I spend a long time just looking at the various, just horrifying abominations and just watch, watching them just go around the open world. Yes. It's and, such a delight. And you can make them fight online. Yeah. And, yes, if you have, abs- and if you have little baby T-Rex arms, your jabs will, in fact, come out quicker but be a lot shorter range. <laughs> so there is an optimal way to Cronenberg your build. And your characters are entirely custom, so when you learn a move in the uh, in the World Tour mode, your character learns it, and then they just have a layout of like, okay, here are all of the moves that are quarter circle forward. Which one do you want? That's so cool. Here are all the quarter circle backwards. Which one do you want? It's... Soul Calibur has this thing where you can make your own custom character, but they have to be the style of a pre-existing character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they could be a weird freakazoid, but they have to be Cervantes or Nightmare or whatever. This level of customization is stupid and broken, and I adore it. I I, I respect the hell of it so much, because the, the logical thing to do if you're trying to make a balanced competitive game is to just not allow this. But this makes it so much more accessible to... Just everybody, just create the most wacky, broken thing and just throw it online to see what happens. Yes, but you can still have that competitive mode because they have the beautifully realized characters. But then they take it a step further by being able to use this robust character creator to recreate other characters. Like, we've already seen, like, custom character versions of Hagar, because Mm -hmm. that's that's the obvious pull. But they recreate a mini-boss from Final Fight 2? And they put him in the story mode. Really? Yeah. And you I just get to fight him and he gets one of those splash intros. And cool. he's, he's clearly made from assets from this character creator to make him work. And that's just such a smart use of your time. Like, really hats off to them. And just being able to see more with characters, JP looks disgusting. And I love it. I'm so oh, glad yeah. that Bison is just his stand, but he has enslaved him. Like, 90% sure that's what that is? That, maybe. I, I don't have enough knowledge. Apparently, if you get uh, five grabs with Manon, her actual command grabs will do, like, 37% damage. <laughs> and that they will just remain that way for the rest of the fight. That's nuts. Yeah. Every character has beautiful, beautiful broken junk. Zangief can just run now. 
Uh, they removed mashing from Honda, Chun-Li, and Blanca. So now you actually have to play the game instead of just hit, hitting lightning legs or 100 hand slap. Those are command inputs now. Mm-hmm. Just, there is so much consideration being done with this game. And so much of it is being done well. And just looking at tutorials that just tell you, they're just the YouTube tutorials that you would look up. It says, JP is a mid-range character. When you're in this range, this is what you should be expecting to do. This is what you should be looking out for from an opponent. Yeah, the breadth of that tutorial menu I saw was shocking. That is so much harder than just any other developer is willing to go. Right, and I, I've seen good fighting game tutorial stuff, like uh, Guilty Gear usually has great ones. Skullgirls had a really in-depth one when oh, it came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, but nothing on that level. Yeah, I am just so impressed. Marisa looks so good. Is there any character that looks bad? I can't think of one. No, but Marisa, though. <laughs> she bullies you and you can't do anything because she knocks you into your cooldown state by just punching you hard enough. Oh, like, ma'am, please. That's super where she just punches you in the face, twists it, and it leaves a heart on your face. Yes. Just that on Zangief, I was just like, okay, yeah, no, I shift this hard. <laughs> nah, nah, she looks better with me, no. I don't believe that Zangief understands what love is, unless it just has <laughs> to do with flexing. Exactly, that's the point! Well, yeah, but he doesn't love her, he loves the idea that they both have muscles. <laughs> love in its purest form. Like, she sets out the bed for him, and Zangief is just, like, great, and then he starts bench-pressing the bed. And then she starts <laughs> bench-pressing him, bench-pressing the bed. And then they just fall asleep, and that is every night together. <laughs> and then people say they're in a relationship, and they're like, huh? Oh my god. <laughs> I shut off the DLC characters as well. Like, I think we knew about them before, right? But Yeah, they were shown off in that leak before, but it's, it's good to have confirmation. So glad that Rashid is the pick from SF5. Like, is he my man G, the president of the world? No. But Rashid is great, and he's not a freak pick. So, like, of them, I'm glad that he's the one that gets the spotlight there. And Akuma looks good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ed, we'll have to see what he does. Uh, Aki, yeah, that's a character design that hits me, in a way. Was there another one? I, I can't recall. I think it was just the four. All one right. per season. I, I thought it was just the four, but I couldn't remember. If there's a fifth one, well, that sucks for you. <laughs> but yeah, just, damn. This game comes out in like a month. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be good. It's gonna be great. Uh, also shown off in other events were... You wanted to note on FF16 and Armored Core? Oh yeah, those ones look... Like, I, I don't have much to say about them apart from, oh my god, these look great. But there is literally a point in the Final Fantasy XVI showcase where you take control of Phoenix, and it's literally just Panzer Dragoon fighting against, I think it's Bahamut. Nice. And then Armored Core, it's, it's, it's mech shooting robot, and it, it's, it, it looks really cool. <laughs> I don't have... Oh yeah, no, no, it is it's a, a fun robot game. game. In sci-fi settings, and given how just their track record with the previous games, just the in-depth lore and environments and seeing these colossal bosses and beautiful places to go, it's just... I still need to get around to Elden Ring, but I might skip over it entirely for this one. It looks really good. No, I get you, I get you. Did you play that one Gundam game that came out, I think, last year that was just Overwatch, but with Gundams? I did not. 
Okay. Because if you're talking about mech on mech action, mech shooting robots, rather, then like... I, I saw too many Raid Shadow Legends level ads for it, and it just turned me off of it. Oh, no, 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 that's fair. But I figured that that was still better than giving Overwatch money, so... I haven't touched it, but I figured I would offer it as an itcher, as a scratching no, post. I'd just go back to TF2. Oh, you can't. The robots have won. That's still the chaos of just hell of that. There's a, there's an enjoyment there. There's an enjoyment of, oh, Sniper, again. I don't know. I don't know how, got, how bad it's gotten at this point. It's gotten pretty bad. Oh, all right, all right. Uh, there was another game that we... I know we've talked about this before. I know you're not interested, but the people are... Beloved franchise returning next month, with many added elements added back from its past, a continuation of one of the best games of all time. Had a new trailer that we should probably talk about. <sighs> yeah, I guess. Anyway, take it away, if you must. Uh, Age of Empires 2 Return of Rome, finally properly revealed after they seemingly accidentally talked about it at a big tournament months ago. This thing is so cool! So, it's essentially rebuilding the first game in the second game's engine, taking that kind of Bronze Age time period, but giving it the quality of life, like pathing, building walls, that kind of stuff. Few of the extremely important features that allowed Age of Empires 2 to be the Street Fighter 2 of this series. Mm -hmm. But it's still like its own thing. It's existing separately in the game, which is... I don't think I've really ever seen other games do that, which is really cool. Oh, damn, they killed everybody in the auction hall. Damn, Hunter Hunter is getting sick. There's also new campaigns, which is fantastic. They're upgrading the Roman civilization to be fully fledged one in the actual Age of Empires 2, so people that only want to play 2 still have something new to do. But the best part of this, and I'm like seriously genuine of like how cool this is, Age 1 is just not that good compared to Age, age 2. It didn't really catch on anywhere like 2 did. Apart from, for some reason, in Vietnam. I don't know the story behind that, I can't explain it, but it's one of their biggest esports. Baseline Age of Empires 1 has 16 playable civilizations. This Return of Rome upgrade has 17, because the developers decided to celebrate the fanbase that's kept the game alive, that the Lock Viette will be added to the game so those fans can play as their ancestral civilization, which is so unnecessarily cool. That's actually really, really nice. I'll stop reading Hunter Hunter for that. Right?! I think I can say at this point that this is just my favorite game of all time now. It it, it sounds like it. Like, just, it's it's no Banjo-Kazooie, but it's pretty good. I would sacrifice the series entirely to get two more expansions. You know, fair. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's my Age of Empires spiel. Uh, the actual thing that you should probably talk about is the Tears of the Kingdom thing looked neat. I will yeah. say it has a hook in me, but it was the same hook that the last Breath of the Wild trailer had in me. And all that story stuff already happened when you get into the game. So I'm... <laughs> yeah, but Link made the most dinky-looking mech in the world, and I love it. It's just <laughs> a rock with wheels and an arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I goddamn Tofu from Resident Evil 2 on wheels. The thing that interested me was that we saw what I believed was an aged-up Riju. I have no idea who that was. I thought it was. Uh, no, actually, no, we saw Riju, but there's... Are you, are you talking about the the Zelda-looking character? Like, uh, looks like another, like, descendant of Hylia, kind of? Might maybe just Hylia herself? No, I'm talking about the one that looks like Riju, but older. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the companion characters that are fighting alongside you. Yeah, which 
interests me because that means we get to see an actual progression of the world, I feel. And this isn't just, and then two months later. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it makes me feel like there is the possibility of the world getting shaken up proper, just as a map. And that interests me. Like you saw, like, the tents in Hyrule Castle, they've clearly had time to just reestablish themselves, at least at some point during this. Um, I get why people are super excited, because this is so much more than we've been given before. Uh, glad that Matt got to confirm his voice role. That's so cool. I, I, I love that so much. He did, in fact, say, yes, this was the follow-up for my web series, There Will Be Brawl. And I, went, I called it! I got you, Mr. Mercer! <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I won't be picking this up on release. I'm torn. I might. There's a lot more games that have come out recently that I just care about more. I would rather play Advance Wars, which I yeah, really have to give some Jedi attention Survivor to. that I need to get around to. We'll wait till they fix it. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully it'll be by them, though. Yeah, I, I but I, I don't need to be part of Breath of the Wild or the Tears of the Kingdom's opening hype cycle, especially not for an extra $10 for nothing. Eh, I don't particularly care. Most games these days aren't $60. I mean, $6 in release anyway. They just hide it in different ways. Yeah. But, like, sometimes I like to pretend that I can wanna, protest you things. You want to feel like... Just, just get that sense of altruism without actually doing that. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's so easy to boycott Blizzard because I don't care about their games to start with. Boycotting HAL Laboratories, though, that would be much harder. <laughs> Don't worry. You, you, you will get your imaginary comeuppets for your imaginary actions eventually. I believe. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Uh, yeah, Gandorf, though. Wow. Wow, what a daddy. What Super a daddy. design! Mm. God, Delicious man. the sickest boss fight ever. I'm so ready for whatever they're willing to throw down, whether he be a character from the past or if he is here now. I do not care. I just want him. Is this your favorite Gandorf design? Ah, oh, Hyrule Warriors. Is Hyrule really Warriors good. was the other one I was going to bring up, yeah. But this is my favorite Gandorf design. Yeah, that's the only contention in my eyes. I'd have to think about it. Yeah, Hyrule I, Warriors. I see what he does. Hyrule Warriors is a lot more unwieldy and wild, I feel, and this one is, I think, in service to the more reserved Ganondorf of Wind Waker, personality wise. Just, just, just in the look of the design. No, yeah, I, I feel that. I think I just need to see what he actually does, because the Hyrule Warriors design is great for just... He just throws shit everywhere for his just attacks, summoning Dark Beasts. Like, the chaos is emblematic of everything else he does in the game. Mm -hmm. I want to see if the story pays off on his more reserved design. Yeah. Uh, as a nice note, a super majority of workers at Sega of America have formed a union, the Aegis. Oh, no... What do you mean, oh no? I don't want a Xenoblade. Don't, don't, don't. don't no, 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 it's like the shield. Sure, yeah, that, that's what's uh, going yes, to pop up Yes, because every time someone pulls up a mythological figure, they're like, oh yeah, oh no, it's like from Xenoblade. Have you seen the comments on our videos and in your discords? That is absolutely the narrative that usually pops up. Look, people to just sit down and go, oh, damn, don't fly too close to the sun, Icarus. And then people go, Kid Icarus Uprising was released by Nintendo in 2011 for the Nintendo 3DS. Like, that's not what happens. Well, yeah, but Icarus is known a lot better. Than a shield? 
Yes! True! <laughs> but yeah, uh, I believe this is the first multi-department union in the U.S. for yeah, a games company, as opposed to just one for, like, a QA team. There, that Which is just, yeah, 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 just the QA team. Yeah. Which, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, like, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this is a bad thing, this is a very good thing. I'm very curious to see where this goes, because this is obviously a major company. It's also a major Japanese company, with the American branch being unionized. True. So this could go anywhere from changing just the way that Sega has to do business, to the next Yakuza game featuring a side quest where there is an evil union that is actually controlling oh the main company. <laughs> Could be anywhere in there. Yeah, we will see. I didn't even think about the Japanese company aspect of it. That's fascinating. Also, congratulations to this union specifically, because we did not hear about it until it was already mostly formed. Nice. That's how you're supposed to do it. Other Don't game companies. Time. That, please. The threat is weak. The reality is now. Yes. But you want to talk about what didn't have a successful union thus far, but is having trouble anyway? Ah, uh, I know what you're talking about. It's our good I'm friends! I'm so tired. It's Activision Blizzard, but guess what? They blocked the merger in the UK because it would hurt cloud gaming. Which of all the things... Right? That's what you're hung up on? The market that doesn't exist yet and will not exist until internet, inter in internet infrastructure in the U.S. is significantly better, which is not going to happen anytime soon? Precisely, which is, it makes every interview I see with Kodak so funny because he has really intensified his appearances in news media after this. Just to go, well, it's ridiculous. I can't believe it. This, uh, this will actually make competition worse. In fact, there will be less competition by this decision, so uh, I, I don't see why they would do it. Like, we've had to see Microsoft going, yeah, we're actually operating at a huge loss. We lost the most important console generation where everything went digital, so we're kind of up a creek without a paddle. We need this deal to stay relevant. Like, you're seeing the most honest Microsoft and the most duplicitous Activision. And it's such an interesting miasma to watch together. It is definitely some good popcorn drama, I'll give it that. Uh, I th think they're gonna still try to appeal it, so it's not, like, over. Well, yeah, but it's, but it's a UK thing. They don't have the same due process. They don't get an automatic appeal for it, unless true, they true, can yeah. get the US to do it. They have to win them over, first and foremost. Like, it's an emotional appeal, not a legal due one. That's so... I, I'm still hung up on cloud gaming. Like, what, what behind-the-scenes things are people talking about where that decision makes any lack of sense? I don't know. Like, to, to be fair, I don't know any British developer other than Rare off the top of my head. I don't either, so yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm not qualified to speak on what their opinions of it are, but, like, uh, this story just keeps on going. How many old people there just think that cloud gaming and internet gaming are the same thing? Do they just get up and think, oh yeah, multiplayer, we can't let them have all of that? Man, I even forgot about them announcing an Overwatch character to distract from their lawsuit. They did. Which was then followed up by a second immediate lawsuit afterward. 
Who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> He's Life Weaver. Okay. He's from what, Thailand, I think? I think so. Something like that. He's like Thailand and he's pansexual or something? Or non-binary? I, I can't recall. I see Thailand. I, I don't know. I think he's just hot. Based on what he I'm is ve- here. He is very hot. And he does tick a box of, wow, very high diversity points. Very good. The machine is pleased at the ActiBliz office. Perfect way to distract. Engineered in the labs for the explicit purpose. I am PR. not willing to be that hard on the developers behind all this. Oh, I'm they, not either. Like, like the character designers to uh, do that. Yeah, character designers, absolutely not. People who are like, let's make him really, really hot. Good on you. At the same time, these specific traits were chosen to do it at this specific time for the sake of avoiding a PR bomb, which was then followed up by a second bomb. Nah, I don't think it's enough of a... It's not heavy enough to try to be against the bomb. It would have been marketed more. I'd be seeing more here. No, dude, it's I'm, like I'm clockwork so every time. Just like I, the only reason I want this to go through is just because I want Kodak gone. And if it doesn't, I just I'll know. I'll know how the company needs to be restructured or reformatted, and I'll know if just removing Kodak fixes everything instantly, so. When there's a problem like that, you usually start from the head and work your way down. Oh no, absolutely cut the head off. But at the same time, if the first thing they go is Kodak's gone, then people stop caring. If they restructure everything and then Kodak goes, then it has a better chance. Which is why I have more faith in that happening if another company steps in and can actually, like, brute force their way through it. I don't really have faith. I'm, I'm sure the shareholders of that company are so... U- like, they're clearly okay with Kodak at this point. Yes. So they just want the money machine to keep going. It would need a higher... Just a higher oversight to just step in and force these things to happen. I, I just... Uh. Tune in next month for the next weird chapter of this stupid story. If it makes you feel better, they had to pay millions of dollars to China because they ended services abruptly for WoW and stuff. That was funny. That is yes. funny. I, I thought that would make you feel good. But you know what makes me feel good? I, know, I, I, I saw this in Discord. I know what this is. Yo, Lego Donkey Kong? Lego Jitty? Lego, Lego Dixie? Lego Funky? Lego Cranky? And Lego Rambi? Even Lego Squawks is here. I love that one picture where it's the minecart with Diddy Kong in it and Mario, but Mario's kind of just grayed out. Just translucent because he's not included in the set. (laughs) So Diddy and another soul that he's ended. Uh, I'm so upset that Mario gets to ride Rambi. I'm so upset. The prophecy from Rambi's Smash 4 trophy comes true. In Lego form, who would have guessed? Right? I'm so happy. We're going to get so much more Donkey Kong stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, oh like, my if they're God. going this hard on this, there's a Kremlin expansion like four months from now. If they're and in the new game. All of yes. them. Oh, God. Please, please, please. I just. <laughs> how many Legos do you have and how many do you, are you going to own after this happened? I lost all of my childhood Legos after this happened. God, I don't have room, but I want to. <laughs> I also want the Hot Wheels set of the Jungle Kingdom. I don't have room, but I want to have room. I, I need just a room that can hold all of my Donkey Kong and also an oh, arcade shit, cabinet of nostalgia. This. this Jungle Kingdom's Hot Wheel from the Mario... That, that's awesome! Yeah, right? You do the jump into the a- Ape Temple's mouth? How did I mouth? never hear about this? 
That's so cool. I know, right? It's the only DK-related piece of merch that I can find for the Mario movie right now. Well, yeah, because they're saving all that for the DK movie. Well, obviously, yes. Or at least Phase 2. Just, God, oh, I would be sold instantly on Cranky Kong and his motorcycle. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, that's the, the most important news. Mm-hmm. Uh, games coming out next month, because there's a lot of them, not just oh, Zelda. Oh, yeah. Darkest Dungeon 2 is the biggest one for me. I didn't realize that was coming out so soon, but my god, the first one's a perfect game. You won't get an argument out of me. Uh, Dokapon Kingdom Connect? Like, Mm -hmm, I feel mm -hmm. like I have to hype it up. Looks like an Amnesia game is coming out? What? Apparently. Oh, the System Shock remake as well. That? Holy shit! This man is stacked! Lord of the Rings Gollum, apparently? That's- yes, that- sure, I'm going to try it because of the brand, but- I, sure. I think Fuga Melodies of Steel 2 also comes out this month. That Humanity game comes out. That's the Lemmings thing that's been in every PlayStation showcase they've ever had. Yeah, a lot. Gonna be a good month. I might buy Advance Wars. <laughs> I, I don't have time to get to all the things I want to. I don't know how I'm ever gonna catch up with my de- my backlog now. I need to like I need to like schedule time specifically to catch up with games at this point. Oh, I know I won't. But Darkest Dungeon 2 is the priority. I would need to make content in order to catch up. Mm -hmm. So, that's the unfortunate part. Speaking of content, due to delays, the psychology of Exodia, God of Degeneracy, will be released on February... Or, not February. February? (laughs) What the hell? Will be released on July 13th coinciding with the re-release of the original Yu-Gi-Oh! TCG booster packs released in 2002. We apologize for these delays, however there are other videos that do need to take priority. I will be uploading Exodia to my Patreon as soon as it is complete. If you are a patron of over $5, you may watch it very likely within the next week or two. Nice! To make up for it, I will have a video coming out. Odds are before this is released. Like, it can't come out later than next Friday, for obvious reasons. Because it's Zelda-related. Mm-hmm. So it's always nice when video game companies give you the kick in the pants you need to be like, Okay, but I need to get something on the channel now. Yes. On the other hand, congratulations on your Ridley video. It's finally fucking done. It came out really, really well. Dark Matter came out in May. That is what I've been working on since then. Like, obviously, it took breaks for, like, DK December and all that, but for, like, my next brainstorm, that has been the thing. And just between rewrites and just trying to find the right footage and bouncing ideas off of people, noticing that it's just, it's, there's too much here, recognizing that, no, that's just my brand, I'm going with it. Better to shoot for the moon and design backwards to 100% than under design and not meet full potential and i'm very it, happy with it it that's is good it feels so good to have it done it it feels like a celebration of not just the idea of ridley and smash brothers but the idea of being able to celebrate ridley as a character yeah our, our, our talks around just the, the smash brothers tier list your video on k rule specifically it just kind of changed what i want a character's portrayal in that game to be like, you can just have a functional character, and that's fine. But when you're trying to actively, like, show everything about them, embellish on them, highlight that they're 
the best of what this character can be and show that to somebody who's never met the character before, I, I feel like that's the peak of what Smash Brothers can do for a character. I agree. And now I can work on other things finally. What you working on? So free from the need to just work on a heavy-duty project, I've kind of just been bouncing between multiple different things, just being like, okay, yeah, I feel like working on this today. I feel like working on this today. So things that I'm working on that I might finish this month, I am definitely doing that Hi-Fi Rush sequel video, just because it's Hi-Fi Rush. It's a perfect game, and I want to talk more about it and show it off to more people. Good. I have that fully written. I'm going to record it later today. Uh, shouldn't be too hard to put together. I, I bet that would take, like, a week work of effort if I just focused solely on that. Uh, I'm making a video about Adeline and about her potential in the Kirby series. Oh, I like this. Needs to be more of that. Oh, yes. Give me more. Uh, I have uh, several shorts highlighting Peasant's Perspective submissions done. I just need art for it. Which, side note, I am making content too quickly for what Mad Arts can draw. Like, he's got his own life. I totally understand it. Yes. If anybody in the audience can draw rubber hose at about the same level, I will pay you to draw thumbnails. Open invitation. If you want to, if you know anybody, just throwing that out there. Hello, friends. Do you want money? That's right. We give you money. All you have to do, draw rubber hose. What's a rubber hose? It's a hose made of rubber. Very simple. Very good concept. <laughs> uh, it's, the, it's the cartoon art style my stuff is in. It's just 90s. I mean, it's not 90s. 20s, 30s cartoon style. 20s, 30s, yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. A hose uh, made of rubber. <laughs> And then there's one more thing. I, I was challenged recently about my views on Pokemon designs, and I realized that I can't really articulate why exactly I like the old stuff and like the new stuff. And I was looking at our Smash Brothers tier list, and I was just kind of thinking, you know, what if I just sat down in front of a tier list website for a few hours and just did a design tier list like that, but for, like, Pokemon? Oh, you're going to be there for days. I'm, I've The first generation only took, like... I don't know, three hours-ish, and I'm, I've edited it down to an hour and 40 already. But it's been really fun to do, because not only is it just, like, that kind of... It, it's focused on creature design, more about any, like, stats viability or anything like that. I just don't really care about that. It's well, almost purely for visuals and lore behind them. But it's been really fun, because I'm using it half as just, like, a ramble about just creature designs, but I'm also using it as, like, mini quick concepts to just talk about like okay here's this design how would i make it even better so like i'll toss this in my so i had the idea to for example i just just kind of what i like about pokemon i think the bulbasaur line is almost perfect it takes the fundamental concept of a creature and an elemental attachment to that creature and as the creature grows the element does as well i could see that yeah yeah i didn't feel like that was done for charizard so here's some really shitty photoshops that i made just, just kind of just I'm kind of just brainstorming about, like, okay, like, these are good, but what if, like, this was pushed in a different direction kind of deal? Right. No, I can, I can definitely see where you're coming from there. I can't wait to disagree hard with you on certain characters. Like, if, if you hurt my boy Exeggutor, I'm going to cry. I won't fight back, but I will cry. I think I specifically apologized to you in that recording. It was a long recording, but there was one that I knew. Oh, damn. Oh, oh Snorlax is a gang very high. <laughs> uh, but it, it's been really fun. It's, it's going to be light editing, apart from the photoshops, but it, it's, it's just going to be a chill time. It's going to be nice to have something really incendiary on the channel that's going to make it a lot of engagement off of it. Good. Good. Damn, I need some of that. I had, like, five minutes done of that one internet communication thing, the more serious thing I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Just looked at it and was like, nope, back to the drawing board. It's so hard to write stuff like that. 
Oh, I'm sure. I just finished a script that... Let me just tell you the title, and then you can imagine how long I've agonized over it. Nostalgia is objectively all that matters. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could put that behind so many different things. Put that behind, like, a Star Wars game or something like that. Or just, just do a movie for some reason. You will get, like, 50,000 subscribers off of that, but your comment section will never be the same. Oh, I'm sure, but, like, God, I just want to do Banjo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know me. Could I put General Grievous in? Yes. <laughs> Will I put Kazooie in? Probably. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I've I've been cooking. I've written a bunch of scripts that I'm not ready to share publicly with everyone because I'm, I'm trying to space out what content that I say I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. So I make sure that it actually gets out. I've hit so many roadblocks. I should have had like three other videos out, but... Either myself or an editor would just run into some issue or just it would get feature crept. And I'm happy with er where everything is going right now, but I do apologize for the general lack of content this year in general for me. It it, it happens with making content. It's a very chaotic workplace, I guess is the best way to put it, where it's hard to plan for things going wrong or things just wanting to do more with something. And you just kind of have to go with the flow. Yeah. I do promise, though. Content on Zelda coming next month. You guys are definitely getting a full video on Gruntilda. Nice. It is Banjo's 25th anniversary. No way in hell I'm missing that. All right. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Bonus stage. So this isn't really a bonus stage, this is just us talking about the Mario movie, isn't it? Oh yeah, there's that kind of thing of just like, oh yeah, we met up for the thing, let's talk about the thing. Yeah, why don't we just talk about the thing? Um, so the Super Mario Brothers movie came out, and it's making, what, a bazillion dollars now? About a zillion, about a zillion. No, a bazillion. Kingdom currency? A bazillion. Big grahaha bucks going up. If there's ju- there's just a million minions underneath Illumination Studios just jumping into coin blocks, and the gold pile is getting tremendous. Yeah, Wario is there with a gold flower turning the minions into gold, and because they never <laughs> stop coming, oh, Wario's just found the way. <laughs> oh. But yeah, the uh, Mario movie came out, and I think I think what we should do is just give spoiler-free thoughts and then just go into depth afterward so that people can enjoy at their leisure. Well, I, I think for spoiler stuff, you can, you can just kind of say, like, yeah, we, we liked it. Yeah. Go watch it. If you if at this point you still haven't seen it and you're on the fence, how? You should but not also be listening to this and also not having watched the Mario movie in a month. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I finally figured out how I feel about this because, you know, as, as a film, it's not all that strong. But mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. feel toward this... This is an exceptional feature-length Smash Ultimate trailer. (laughs) 
I am looking That's for perfect. the exact same things that I look for in that. I'm looking for reference. I'm looking for character representation. I'm looking for what you do new. And every time you zoom in to like the stage part of it, I'm looking for every single reference I can find. I'm looking to be seduced by a beautiful new music track the entire way. I'm looking to laugh. Absolutely. And I think it does all those things great. It's one of those weird cases where I agree with almost everything that critics are saying about this film. I just don't think it really applies for what I want this film to be. Exactly. Well, it, it, it could be better in those ways. Like, I would like maybe a little more emotional connection. <laughs> People were kind of worried about Illumination mucking up the story. I feel like Illumination's made better stories than this one has. Yeah, I agree. I, I would say that... I think every Despicable, Despicable Me has a stronger... I would say every <laughs> Despicable Me has a stronger script than this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think Sing is better as well. I've never seen the Sing films, so... It, it's, it uses the licensed music better by tying it into the emotional moments. Well, that's not saying much. It's not at all, but it's something. Uh, but uh, all of the problems I thought I'd have with the Mario movie, I expected going into it, and they weren't as bad as I thought they would be. Yeah. I was actually impressed that some problems I thought I would have did not end up being problems for me. Yeah. Like, By I which I mean voice, Mario. Well, most of the voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we talked about this. I think the only voice actor you didn't really didn't really click with you was Cranky Kong, right? Yeah. I, I didn't really enjoy Armisen's performance. Um, someone called it on another podcast. It's just Bernie Sanders. And I agree. <laughs> it totally is. But... Uh, I just, I didn't like the way he was written with that voice. Like, the lines that he was saying, there is a way to make a good Bernie Sanders Cranky Kong, I didn't feel that they did it. Every other character I enjoyed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some of them I enjoyed more than, like, any other depiction in a Mario property, which really shocked me. Oh, I, I want to get into that fully in depth when we hit spoilers. But mm, Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, overall, just... It was a fun time, it made me smile, and I've been waiting for this movie since I was two. And it met my two-year-old expectations. Did it blow my mind? No. But I did almost cry once. So, like, you know. Same, same. Different part, but same. Which means there's multiple parts that could appeal to you. Okay, I didn't even know which part made you cry. I mean, uh, my part was obvious, part. but yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my part was the one where you saw me visibly shaking in the chair next to you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a uh, great movie. I'd like to delve into it just completely without restraint now. Yep. All right. Yeah, you don't get much non-spoiler stuff. It's just too hard to talk about it and just dance around. It, them, so. It's too much of a fluff movie. So if you want to skip ahead, do so now. Yep. I don't know who I'm talking to here because, like, all of you should have seen it by now. There'll be at least one. There's always at least one. They can find it on the high seas. Probably, probably. There, there was like a Venezuelan version that aired on TV that gave everyone a really high quality rip of it. Oh, right. Okay. All right, but where, where do you want to start? Um, There's a lot. I think that this is a movie of characters, and I would just like to go through each individual character because I think that their representation will allow us to reflect on the world as we talk about them. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Actually, I think I ranked them at one point, so I'd like to go from lowest to highest if I can find that tier list again. I would love to do that. Yes, okay. 
So I had I have one character that I liked less than their game appearance, and that was Cranky Kong. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Yeah, we've we've gone over this, and it's not even saying that he was bad. It's it's just I hold Cranky Kong in really really high esteem, and he wasn't he wasn't I, as needlessly cruel. I feel like you could have just made that an original character, and I wouldn't have noticed it was supposed to be Cranky Kong. Like, if that was just what DK Jr. grew up into and he was just God King Crank- DK Jr., I guess he'd call it? I don't know. But, like, there's none of that banter of just, like, oh, back in my day, this was so much easier. From what I know about Cranky, it was almost unrecognizable. Not, not necessarily bad, but just, like, what I like about Cranky Kong wasn't really there. I will say I did like his animations just in him stroking his beard with his foot. Oh, he was so smug. smug. That that's yeah, that, that's true. That's true. That's yeah, true. Yeah, there there's such a good bit of smug animation to him, but he wasn't he wasn't snide with his smugness. Yeah. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm I'm looking for the freaking snake oil salesman cranky. This was just a full of himself cranky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just to talk about the uh, spin-off Kongs that made it into the movie. Yo Diddy! <laughs> Yo Dixie! Yo Chunky! I, I love Dixie's little disappointed look at Diddy when he just won't shut up. About, it's only it's only there for frames, but it's so yes. funny. Uh, it's so good. And they have matching outfits. They're yeah. so cute. And Chunky is just there and we can't see if he has that weird green patch on his back still. But he's there. <laughs> He loves Cat Mario so much. Ugh. Shoutouts to Swanky Kong dying in a fire horribly. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's one of those moments of, I didn't want to say anything in the theater, but I'm glad that everyone else watched it back and could agree that, yes, Swanky Kong did die. The little details I'm so happy about. Zooming into, like, the Rambi logo for, like, a solid two seconds. Uh uh When they show off the card, I'm just like, ooh! That entire segment of just just driving around the Donkey Kong Kingdom. That is where I cried. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because that's when I came to the realization of, I am going to get to be here in a few years. This is the fully realized Kong world I've dreamed of since I was a kid. And I get to visit this. Like, it, it was clearly the can the hat gag of whoa you mean like at universal studios <laughs> <laughs> that that's how the can the hat laughs in that movie right yeah 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 yeah. okay cool 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 but yeah just i was utterly overwhelmed even though take on me was playing which to be fair i thought was a fine use of the licensed music at the time i know that there was another track for it but i think the energy for it when it's spliced in is weirdly low Mm-hmm. I, th- I I saw that somebody had overlaid it, like the actual uh, Driving Me Bananas song over that second. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Yes, I, I saw that as well. You saw that? Like that just, I'm fine with licensed music, but it's because things like that can exist that I'm almost never, I never prefer it. I'm at the weird point where I kind of actually preferred Take On Me for most of it. Except the finale, which was so pitch perfect that, like, I could not stop shaking. Uh Uh-huh. But that's just entirely the choices of instrumentation. But as, like, a celebration of DK's world, I'm like, oh. Off topic, but I heard a rumor. I don't don't know how 
much this should be believed because it was just a comment, but somebody claiming to have worked with on the movie said they wanted to use Van Halen's jump instead of the Superstars theme in the finale. You know, the might as well jump, jump. Yeah, it, weird that that wasn't in the movie at all. It was supposed. To, it was apparently supposed to be over the invincibility theme for the star. Oh, yeah, that wouldn't have been great. Exactly. Just that. It, it was still a great moment either way. Yeah. The goddamn bouncer Kong and just his dead face. Oh gosh. Anyway, um, those were the only character. That was the only character that I liked less than their game appearance. Uh, I'd like to talk about most of the movie original characters right now. Okay. Which would be, or characters that got most of their characterization made for this movie. Most of them. There's one that I want to save for later. Okay. Uh, so that would be um, the Penguin King, which I'm like, you got all of that from the trailers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's I, good. Just, it's I good. still want to shout out the idea of having the penguins from Mario 64. That's so cute. Pauline's one second cameo was fun. Yeah. It was really, really nice. Uh... Mario's family, though. Surreal seeing them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. See all the guys seeing Charles Martinet as Mario's dad. I love it when they do that. They did the I, same thing I the do last too, and I'm so happy that actor. he did his regular voice acting voice instead of the pure Mario voice for Mario's yeah, dad. Yeah, yeah, Like, they got that in there when they needed to, but... Oh, man, it's just... It's such a nice little thing. I don't think that they did enough with these characters. Like, I didn't feel the yeah. disappointment that Mario's dad had in Mario in the same way that I did Cranky to DK. I think I could say that about a lot of the characters there, but I don't. I don't think the they really need to. Like, they, they, there could have been more. There could have been more for a lot of these characters. I think they fulfilled their function, and that's as about as far as my investment goes. I agree. But I'd also like to see these characters in spinoffs. Yeah, yeah. Be because you know that they're just going to be like, and now from the Mario Brothers movie, it's Mamma Mia. That That's Mario's mom. Is that really? No. Oh. No, but like, if they did, yo. <laughs> he's just always saying that, and he's just saying his mom's name over and over again. Yes. Uh, and then I'd like to just talk about Foreman Spike, because I thought he was great. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just a great bully character, eats one slice of pizza, and then leaves. That's all. Yeah, I, I, another character that just kind of fulfilled his f function, but he was fun while he was doing so. He was, and it, it's just a great... I like this design of Spike a whole bunch. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's a great Bluto look for him that just feels good to look at. It, it was a good enough appearance that it made the juxtaposition of, I think, Luigi saving him later. Like, mm -hmm. that felt good. There, there, was, there was catharsis there. Yeah. Yeah, and I he looks like he would still fit in a Mario game. He doesn't appear yeah. as an illumination character to me. All right, talking about a character that I liked about the same as the games, Donkey Kong. Yeah, he he was good. It's so hard for me to go look at this one of my favorite characters of all time. He's all right. But oh my god, he has the most perfect entrance in this movie I will ever see in anything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just a beautiful use of the music. Beautiful establishment of what this version of Donkey Kong is. I love that they play off of his insecurity with Cranky Kong. I think that that is a brilliant generational dynamic that the Donkey Kong character has always had. 
but it's always shifted away from due to him being kidnapped in most of the country games. Mm-hmm. I felt that the character animation was a lot of fun. I felt that Seth Rogen did a pretty dang good job of voicing him. He felt like, yeah, it was obviously his voice, but he was doing the character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That existed. I didn't love his writing half of the time. Yeah, I was going to say when you're talking about the generational divide thing, I love the idea there. It just kind of gets resolved without really any emotional beats to it. No, he gets that moment where he gets to hug Cranky. Well, yeah, he just lets your pecs dance, but that's... You had you started the thing and then you ended it without any connecting to... Like, I, th- I think I can point to the moment in the eel's belly as just like, okay, this is what I wanted more of. Because when Mario and Donkey are kind of just... They seem like they're starting to have a heart-to-heart. I've just been like, hey, yeah, my, my dad's disappointed in me too. And you think that they're going to maybe, like, bond a bit, make that friendship make sense. And then Donkey Kong just goes, you know what? Your dad's right, which is funny, but, like, it doesn't feel like they're willing to get in that just those little character moments. See, I, I, like, I like that, because they clearly have the character moment, because Mario and Donkey Kong trust each other at that point, but DK will not admit it, because his ego is massive. And even at his lowest moment, he needs to build himself up constantly. And I like that for him. I could have used another scene. Every single character I can say that with, I could have used another scene. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't like... There's a lot of this in a lot of movies. I just go like, oh, yeah, we're bros and friends. We hate each other. But now we're going to be friends at the end. And there's just not a emotional connective tissue somewhere in there. Well, the connective tissue is they both really like beating up other people. Yeah, but I... D- is that really, like, the healthiest thing to be showcasing in, like, kids' movies? No! It's a problem in a lot of them. No, but this is fun! It is fun. It, it's a small thing to get hooked up on, but I am hooked up on it. Alright, I, I forgot this character. Uh, the evil blue shell turtle who wants to kill Mario more than anyone? <laughs> he existed. I loved that he was so determined to kill Mario, like, to an insane degree. Like, even more than Francis the dog from the beginning, who was a better <laughs> character than Blue Shell Turtle. <laughs> but the moment that he yelled Blue Shell, I was like, oh no. Oh, that's cringe. That's really cringe. And then he hit the racer in second place. And I went, oh, <laughs> not only is he cringe, he's wrong. Uh, definitely, probably the line in the film that crossed the line the most of just being like, that's a little too on the nose. Uh, no, Toad yelling, that is how you princess, that hurt me too. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, they're not all winners, most of them are good. Yeah, That's I don't hate all of them. Yeah. Anyway, there's another character that I like about the same as the games, but that's because I think both of them are incredible. So I'm going to save him for later because it's obvious which character that is. Yep, 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 yep. yep. So I'm going to go with uh, characters that I liked a little more than the games, and this is where Mario lies. Yeah, I, I've I've never really been invested in Mario as a character, even in the RPGs, because he's kind of just the stand-in for the character. He's very much a Dragon Quest protagonist anytime he shows up in an RPG. Well, vast majority of the time. Yeah, I, I'll say Super Mario RPG, he's actually incredibly good at physical comedy. But like here, I actually have some emotional investment in Mario's well-being. Which feels nice. I've never really cared about this character before. I like the arc that they chose for him to go on of 
I get knocked down, but I get up again. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it's just, it fits the feeling of the video games very well, and he sells himself on that concept very well. It's just a constantly determined character who will always bite off more than he can chew, but will find a way anyway. Mm -hmm. And just, I thought that was really cool. I didn't think Mario had it in him to lead a movie, to be dead honest with you. I, I would completely agree. And I thought Chris Pratt did a great job voicing him. Yeah, I, I do as well. That's not a phrase I expected to be saying, but I think it's true. I think that the small Brooklynite character that he did for Mario did come off very nicely, and he didn't feel too much leading man, but he didn't feel too much counterculture leading man at times, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. He never felt too straight or too sarcastic, and I, I feel like that's sort of what you have to do with Mario, because he, he's too silly to be a traditional straight man. Mm -hmm. But if you make him sarcastic, he's every other cartoon character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think they do a really fantastic job balancing him. I like I like the way he interacts with every other character in this movie. Oh, for sure. Like, I've never been invested in the relationship between Mario and Peach before, but here I, I kind of get it. They're kind of adorable. It was they cute. Really it each other up. That time where Donkey Kong bullied him for trying to flirt with her made me super happy. But yeah, his dynamic with Peach is great. His dynamic with Toad is brief, but cute. His dynamic with Donkey Kong is surprisingly really good. Very fun, very fun. I love them as the friendly rivals archetype. His relationship with Luigi, we will get into that. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was very well animated the entire time. I love the little animation flourishes they always do with him. Like, they do the little bits of the triple jump, they do... The arms running behind him in the Naruto run whenever he reaches max speed. They do his mm -hmm. spin jump at one point. I'm like, there's a spin jump. It's just those moments where I'm like, they did the roll from Donkey Kong Country. God, it really is just a massive Smash Brothers trailer. <laughs> it is. It really is. But no, it makes me so happy seeing these characters move in this movie to be so... Not necessarily faithful to games, but so willing to experiment with the language of them. Like, the way that he goes through that obstacle course is different from how Peach goes through that obstacle course. He uses yeah. the ground pound to avoid different things. He smashes through things. He's a lot more blunt and less agile. They're always contextualized through physicality that Mario has used before. And I love that. Yeah. I enjoyed the gag that he doesn't actually like mushrooms. I thought it played out a little bit too much. It, it, there was too much of it, but I found the just the obvious irony of it to be enjoyable. Yeah. It, it added to the theme of just the overall thing with Luigi of like, yeah, I don't like this, but I'm going to do it anyway because I need to save my brother. Yes. Uh, I like that he sucks at Kid Icarus. <laughs> Oh my god, just looking at Mario's room, because I, I've seen this movie two extra times since I've seen it with you. Nice. And just the little things, like seeing the Ice Climber poster with the polar bear, and seeing that he has a poster for pro wrestling of Starman versus the Amazon, of the classic NES game. Mm -hmm. The little, I, I think it's an R-Wing in there. He's a little mall R-Wing, just, mm. I like that he's a loser like me. 
I never thought of Mario as like me before. So that's neat. That's Absolutely. cool. You know who else is cool? Luigi. Luigi's so good. Charlie Day was perfect casting. Oh, the way that he screams in this movie is so beautiful. I will concede to the fact that, yes, I do think there should have been more Luigi in this movie. Uh, absolutely. that That's probably the character I've just... For how good his moments were, he's only in it for like five minutes of it. Yeah, well, he said a lot in the intro. and it, Yeah, I was thinking the intro. I get what this movie is doing, because essentially Mario has a partner for all three of his acts. In the first act, it's Peach. In the second, it's Donkey Kong. In the third, it's Luigi. The issue is Luigi's act is five minutes long. Yeah. But I love the bond that they give with him and Mario. It's adorable. The, the part that I started tearing up a little bit was Luigi holding the manhole, followed oh. up by the Superstars theme. Oh, I, uh, yeah. 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 It, what gets me is a combination of just tying in an emotion to a triumphant theme. If, if you can blend music with the emotion I'm supposed to be feeling well, you'll always get me. That was really good. I can't agree more. Just, uh, he really loves his brother. Yeah, it's a really wholesome bond. Yeah, I don't think that that gets explored enough in Mario games. Like, I think some Mario and Luigi's do it, and Luigi's Mansion as a series definitely does it. Mm-hmm. I love the idea that Mario will always look after and defend his brother, and because of that, Luigi cares about him so much openly. I think the biggest laugh in the movie is Luigi getting tortured by Bowser. <laughs> Just <laughs> no... He loves his brother so much that even at the risk of intense pain, he will prop him and be like, oh yeah, no, if princesses have good taste, they will like him. Yes, and he says it with such a scream. Where he believes it with all of his heart. <laughs> Gun to your head, will your brother cuck me? Yes! <laughs> I don't know if they'll do it. She's not a big enough character in Mario, but if they can bring in a version of Daisy to bounce off this Luigi, that will be the best thing I ever. would love that. Right? Oh, I would adore that so much. I want good things to happen to Luigi, and I feel like that's what makes the family dynamic work. Because yes. the only thing that really stuck with me was when the father says, and you're bringing down your brother with you. Yes, that was really good. And then Luigi just doesn't care at all and brings Mario his dinner in his room. And I'm like, oh, I know this feeling. I've had this feeling before. Oh, yeah, I got two younger brothers. I, I'm right there with you. I've got two younger sisters. I I'm the oldest, I've been the best at jobs at times in my life. Just, uh, man, wish there were more of him, but of all the scenes I got with him, it was just... It was all perfect. Yeah. What we got was perfect. I yeah, just, the, the only reason that more. he's, like, supposedly down here is because I really love the game interpretation of Luigi. Like, oh, he's yeah. not oh, yeah. as much of a glow-up in comparison to other characters. Which, speaking of, uh, every other character in this movie I like significantly more than their games. Except for one, who I like equally, but but he's but it, him. But he's already, yeah, 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 I, I'm with you, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Starting with Peach. I love Peach so much. I have never really been invested in, like, Peach as a ruler, if that makes any sense. Like, she's yes. kind of just the princess because she's the princess. And it's just it's the way things are. And I was, I was, I was kind of worried that they were going to make her kind of an snarky asshole in this but no she is one of the most genuinely caring characters in this movie 
And it just makes total sense why the Toads just completely idolize her the way they do. She is, but she's still allowed to have personality. Like, I feel that Peach is by far the hardest character to write in this film. And they do it with a really good amount of aplomb there. Just the little things, like her introduction to Mario is great because it goes from first from the typical, oh, the girl is strong, so she beat up the boy. And then it goes into legitimate curiosity and fascination and excitement and then goes directly into her being reserved again and self-confident. And that I love. Uh, Want to take a moment to just talk about the Mushroom Kingdom as a whole? Weirdly, don't get much of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I would say we get five minutes of Mushroom Kingdom action that aren't an obstacle course. Yes. But... And, like, what we got was good, but... Weirdly, don't get invested in that area so much, so almost all of the heavy lifting has to be carried by Peach and Toad. Yeah, which they do a good job. Yeah. And just, I love the idea of Princess Peach being so steadfast in her beliefs, but curious in everything the world around her. Like, the most was done to mess with her lore and the obvious connections to the Galaxy games within this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sets up genuine intrigue that I want to see more movies to see explored. I would like to see a sequel to this movie, and not just because of the teaser at the end. And that's cool. (laughs) You intrigued me with lore instead of, look, thing. And that's much harder to do. Absolutely. Uh, Genuinely great uh, chemistry, I think, on screen with Mario. Not necessarily as a romantic partner. I think they get a little bit of that, but I think just their banter is good. I like that they're not rushing that. That's a mistake so many movies make. I agree. And considering how many other things this movie rushes, good on you. (laughs) In fact, I think that would be the thing I would want rushed least, so thank you for picking the right one. (laughs) Yes. I do have some complaints about her design, which I think are unavoidable. I think she looks amazing from directly head on. I think at any angle, her eyes look awkward. Hmm. I think she looks like Peach when you look at her head on. And when she turns her head, she looks like an Illumination character. I I, I believe you. I'm just trying to look up mo- images just to... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from. Yeah, it's so weird to me, because she's so... She looks so model accurate, but detailed from head on. And I look at the side, I'm like, oh no. But yeah, I like her physicality. I think her action moments are done well and aren't just girl boss for the sake of girl boss. I think... They all have purpose, they flow well with her character, they animate really well for her. Mm-hmm. Just everything works well. I think her toad outfit is super cute. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Just that whole extended flashback sequence, which wasn't extended enough, by the way. Everything about that was such a treat to watch. Oh, we kind of skipped over this for the flashbacks, but the baby Mario and baby Luigi as well. They're so cute! They're so good! I love Luigi so much! <laughs> That is a prime memory in his soul. But yeah, uh, Anya Taylor Joy. Yeah, Anya Taylor Joy did a good job, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing super exceptional to stand out to me, but that's not to detract from the performance in any way. She was someone where I was thinking about the performance more than other characters, but I thought it was good. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, the best movie original character, which. Did appear in another game, but still, Luma Lee. Uh, a little Luma. 
just changing the shopkeeper from Mario Galaxy. Oh my gosh. Every line from that little guy's mouth. Adorable. I believe it's the director's daughter as well. (laughs) Okay. Okay. It was feeling a little bit much before you said that, but with that context, no, that's the best character. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, there are two characters I hold above it, but just, yeah. Props to Lumily. Went from actually nothing to I love you. (laughs) But the character that surprised me the most in this film, I have one above him, but overall performance was Toad. I think I would agree completely up until the finale. Well, he that's my caveat because he falls off completely at the finale. He just kind of disappears. He just vanishes like... Toad contributes nothing to this movie, overall. Aside from he gets Mario into the castle. Well, I mean, he gets Peach her flower, the ice flower. Yeah. That's something, but... Yeah, but anyone or anything could have done that. It's not just a matter of it. But every single line delivered by Kigun Michael Key in this film, I adore. Like, this is... My favorite Toad voice I've ever encountered. I love his constant optimism. I think every single line except for, That is how you princess! Is fantastic. The physical comedy that they have to do in order to account for Toad. Like when the Bouncer Kong puts Mario and Peach on the double dash, and he has to get a little booster seat for Toad. Oh my god, I didn't mention, but in the cart sequence, when they're going through a big turn and Toad is just popping off, is adorable. But then you see Peach and Mario hanging on, and Peach digs her hand into Mario's jaw so that he starts screaming so that she can keep herself balanced. And I think that's the funniest bit of half a second of physical comedy. I didn't even know this. That's, I didn't rewatch that. I mean, it's just in the driving me banana sequence, so it's very easy to see on rewatch. Along okay, with okay. Swanky Kong's death. Toad is such a ball of optimism, and I think he plays off so well from Peach, just having Mario have to test himself, and she's like, wow, a Toad brave enough to follow me. And he goes, I fear nothing. Well, you're in. Woohoo! <laughs> First off, it shows Peach's connection to the Toads in general, mm. and second off, I just, I love his character. He is 100% loyal to a fault. He is the Perito Puss in Boots of this movie for me. I would die for him. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just wish he had like maybe like a 10 second moment in that finale battle where he just gets a little chance to shine, to like be the toad that protects Peach. Oh, I agree completely. But I love his motifs. I love that he gets the Captain Toad theme. And when he's cooking, yes! he gets a little bit of Odyssey music, too. I just love how Toad talks in this movie. Every single agree, line, I'm like... That's a good read. Every single time he says something like, Fuck yeah, Toad. I love you. I believe in you. When he goes up with his aviator shades and his monster truck, I'm like, Fuck yeah, Toad. <laughs> like, I've, I've not been a Toad fan before this, but I was popping off for the little guy every single time. Yeah, definitely a glow up. But there is one character that I think has an absolutely perfect glow up. The character that I think is 100% perfect for this film. And that, of course, is Kamek. You know what? I completely agree. Yeah, I see Uh, that. I did not notice on my first viewing, but Kamek is so hype for his son to get married at every moment. I love how kind of 
lightly toxically enabling he is. It kind of shows how Bowser ended up the way he is. Yes. I think that Kevin Michael Richardson gives a pitch-perfect performance as him with his general just Igor kind of mannerisms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But never hamming it up too much, always being in the realm of believability. His body language is perfect. Those little moments like Bowser failing his um, proposal of Peach and going, I told you it won't work. You're doing great! <laughs> little things like seeing him rocking out next to Bowser and just like trying to keep the party going. Like he is so excited to be his boss's evil little toady. He loves it. And there's just little quirks to his animations, like when Bowser is talking to him and he gets nervous, Kamek's like, oh, no, no, no. And then he nervously licks his lips because he's an old man and he's just trying to keep in the zone and not lose himself to his dry ass old man lips. Mm -hmm. There are so many little flourishes to Kamek that just during my second Watch through of the film, I made sure to pay more attention to him than Bowser, because Bowser dominates every scene he's in. Yep. And Kamek's animation suite is so good. Every line he gives is so good and usually gets a laugh. I absolutely agreed. Like, insofar as minor characters go, this is the one that I think is most fully realized and made me raise their stock the highest. Agreed, agreed. Okay, so Bowser... Yeah, no, ba- Bowser's Bowser's the best. Like, it, it's just a Jack Black character, but Bowser is one of the most Jack Black characters. That yeah, ever no, existed. they just made him slightly more musical, and then it's like, oh yeah, yeah, it fits perfectly. Oh man, I love their decision to make Bowser one hundred percent intimidating until the midpoint of the movie. Yes, and that none of that was revealed pre-movie release it was just pure (laughs) intimidation bowser before then and then the moment that he drops i'll be married to her in a fairy tale wedding (laughs) it it fits him so well though because he looks so intimidating but he's just the doofus that we all know and love underneath that he's a goof i love him but he's still powerful he commands so much respect with just himself like he takes every single other character and the Starman to beat him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A- and you get to feel that strength and power of the character. It works so well. Uh, he has the funniest scenes in the movie, both with his interrogation of Luigi and, you know, while all praise to the Peach's song, which I think is funny, but not outrageously so. I think oh, yeah, his yeah, scene yeah. with Kamek at the piano immediately afterward is the funniest bit of the film. (laughs) Sit. Jam with me. And then him slamming the Ludwig von Koopa branded piano on Kamek's fingers and going, Can I lift the cover off of my fingers, sir? No. Pain builds character. (laughs) Oh, gosh. It's another character where I absolutely want more, but I'm fully satisfied with what he has here. Oh, he's definitely coming back in every single sequel. Oh, and just imagine him with, like, his kids, though. Oh. Or, like, if the mini Bowser has to, like, help Mario on his adventure. Like, not really a criticism, because I totally get why, but I'd love to see this Bowser and this Mario banter. Yes. No, it would be 
actually fantastic to see those two work off of each other. And we're just seeing that now in the games with stuff like Odyssey and the like. Yeah, yeah. But just being able to lean more into that, because this Bowser does lean, obviously, very heavily into Odyssey. Oh, yeah, for sure. And the RPGs, but... Mm. I mean, as he should. It says a lot to Jack Black's performance, where there was exactly one time where they used a game Bowser growl, and I I obviously pegged it as the game Bowser growl, because I've been listening to Bowser for decades. Mm -hmm. But going, no, that works with his character and the voice that he's given... Like, when you are able to actually pull that off, well done. Absolutely. Uh, the use of the Bowser's Fury music was fantastic. Oh, yeah! Does that be kind of his little rave music in yeah. the background as he's announcing to his troops? In general, the music of this film that isn't licensed is fabulous. Absolutely. And even the licensed music, one of them is good. Which one are you talking about? Uh, the one where they're doing the platforming in Brooklyn, and it's the side-scroller view. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't remember the song with it, but... Yeah, it, it had Brooklyn in the it, name. It, 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 it fits seamlessly enough that it just meshed with the rest of the movie. Yeah, yeah, I felt like it just enhanced the platforming spectacle of it. Which, yeah. by the way, that platforming sequence was like the first time I went, oh, 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 I love this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw, like case-by-case basis of how much of that platforming segment was based off of 1-1, which is so cool. Yes. Oh, man. Props to them for, like, the illumination bits were kept to a minimum, and mostly just to Francis the dog. Which was pretty fun. Yeah, it was a fun bit. I was like, yeah, I have fun time. But yeah, um, overall, as a lifelong fan of the Mario series... I cannot show this to any of my friends who are not also lifelong fans of the Mario series, <laughs> but I had a blast, and I always have a blast. Shoutouts to the one guy in the third showing of the Mario movie I saw, where there were only four people in the theater, and he only smoked his blunt when Bowser was on screen. <laughs> I don't know what you were going for, my dude, but you did it at perfect times, so well done for you. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, any, any parting thoughts? Uh, I like Charles Martinet's other cameo. It was... It was a, cute. It, it kind of felt just a tad too on the nose, but I still enjoyed it. It was obligatory, but like I like seeing the original yeah, yeah, yeah. Jumpman it, it, design. It, it, it felt obligatory, but it felt, still felt good. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, just references were fun. All the punch-out characters being in those little portraits, that was great to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- just, yeah, it was... It thoroughly met my expectations and surprised me in a few areas that I was genuinely delighted by. Like, I didn't expect to get emotionally invested in the way that I did. I was kind of just expecting, like, oh, yay, fun references, I'm clapping now. Yeah. But no, I genuinely care about the relationship between Mario and Luigi. I, yeah. I can't wait to see how it develops further. Them having to, like, babysit a baby Yoshi is going to be so fun. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, no, this is, like, at least my third favorite Smash Ultimate trailer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mini Bowser is going to get eaten by that baby Yoshi, and there's going to be a whole scene if they're just try- trying to pull him out. It's like, no, that's not for eating. Oh, yep. Now you could just make the whole second movie. It's pretty easy. Unambitious. Well, you know what? I even call it ambitious for what I usually expect from Mario stories, which is still kind of unambitious compared to the wider gaming medium, but it's 
it feels like a great jumping point for like the next era of Mario, and that makes me feel really excited, like how this will ripple off into the other Mario stuff. That bit I can agree with. I have seen good Mario stories in the Mario universe, but... No, I, I agree, but they kind of always feel a tad disconnected from each other. That they're, they're great because they're using Mario as a baseline, but they never really... I, I can treat almost all of them as like individual stories that don't really have any effect on the others. Except for maybe Thousand Year Door on the first paper Mario. Little bit. I, I, I'm gonna say Thousand Year Door, dude. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and dig my heels in the the TTYD meat. No, it, it's good on its own. But is it good because it's Mario? Yes. The game doesn't work if it's not Mario. Okay, I have never actually played it, so I can't argue this any further. Yeah, the whole game is just the joke of what if Mario, but in literature. All right. This feels like a more actual embellishment and exploration of the actual groundwork of the series. Yes. Like, the vanilla flavor is getting a few sprinkles on top of it, and maybe it's going to get a few more things and a few more things, and then oh, we're, we're starting to be a little more here. Yeah, this is the first time that I feel like the core Mario base, without needing to expand into other supplementary materials or other worlds in Mario, has been expanded since, like, Paper Mario 1. Yes. And that's cool. And I, I just, I hope it sticks. I really hope it sticks. Yes. I mean, it, it will. Like, I got billion dollars. <laughs> yeah. Kind of helps. It is going to keep going. I think that, like, this week is the one that comes out on streaming. So I think that it's going to slow down. Might still beat Incredibles 2. Wait, I, I, didn't it just come out in Japan as well because they were saving it for Golden Week? Last week, yeah. Yeah, which that's going to cause the number to explode quite a bit as well. Oh, I think so, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what the box office total is. Yeah. That I've been following. All right, want to wrap it up with some comments? Yeah, let's go ahead and do so. We got a lot of good ones this time. I was I was very pleasantly surprised. I don't think I'm going to be able to get to all of them, so apologize. You can just copy and paste some of them if you don't get to it, because I will happily take them next time. Hey, hey, comments. I just want to say, as, like, your weird dad from a podcast, I'm proud of you. <laughs> well done. You've, for once, met my expectation. Don't fuck it up. You can leave a comment if you'd like by using the hashtag DTGComment in the comments of the YouTube video. <laughs> Alright, we got one, well, we got technically five from a commenter named Magalore Fan. Uh, I'm only going to take one because I think all these would be pretty substantial, but this one I think is just fun for us to talk about because it's about content creation. What does the process of writing a video script look like to you guys? Oh, that's really cool. Um, You're interested to hear how the both of you are able to make such really engaging and fun videos? Thank you. Thank it's you. It's a skill that's really hard to perfect and one that I definitely want to improve. Very nice. Um... So first, I have to think of something that either I like or I want to talk about. Like, I cannot generate content from what is popular. It is very difficult for me to wrap my head around. Okay, I need to feel motivated to do this now because this game is popular. That's just rarely something that the stars align, and I don't think it's necessarily healthy. I think you hit burnout a lot faster when you're chasing trends. Yes. And predicting things. I've tried to do that before. It did not work. So 
what I look at is I try to look at something that either I enjoy or I don't enjoy. Usually a game, usually something like close to the heart for me, or just something I've been thinking about intellectually, or a recent game. And I try to dive into my mind and I go, why do I like this? Why do I not like this? What about this makes it stand out to me? All of my videos come from essentially intense self-reflection on myself and my way to ingest media. Now, I'm not saying that's something that everyone should necessarily do, but I feel like if you are going to put out your opinion on the internet, you absolutely need to understand yourself. Because at that point, if you make a factual inaccuracy, you still have that underlying feeling of where you're coming from and what you're doing and the idea behind it. From there, I try to format it into a script. Usually what I do is I'll go on a walk and I'll just think about the subject. And then if I have a good idea, I will pull out my phone, pull out the voice memo app, and I will just say what I am thinking directly into it. And at the end of the day, I come back and I see if I can turn that into a workable script. But in general, I try to formulate the script in my mind and the general flow of it before I start working on it, because, like, most of my videos are formatted like stories. I just, naturally, I love storytelling, and I like creating that ebb and flow more than I do just presenting information. And I think presenting information definitely has its merits to it. Mm -hmm. But I love the ability to take ideas that I have, opinions, facts, whatever, and present them in a way that has a natural arc to it. And that's where most of my scripting comes from. And sometimes I'll stall and I'll waffle on it, and I'll be like a couple days where I have this idea that I'm just sort of dwelling on, and I'll go, okay, fine, you need to write it, and I'll just sit down for like five hours and crank it out. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just think, make your scripts come from yourself. The platform is called YouTube, so make it you. Yeah, I, I find the general trend that I, at least I try to chase is that I want to explain why I think the way I do more so than I want the people watching to start thinking the way I do, if that makes any sense. I'm not trying to convert, I'm just trying to explain. No, why wouldn't people agree with me? <laughs> I'm just saying it should be the overall goal. Because yes. once you actually can under explain something properly, people are more likely to agree with you. Because when you get into that more, like... Get from experience, because I have done this in, like, my earlier YouTube years, if you say, like, oh, this has to be this way, this is the only correct thing, that just gets a tad abrasive, and people's brains shut off when you get that. If you want to keep somebody engaged, you want to keep things open. You want to keep things... English just failed me hard. No, I, I agree. You, you attract more <laughs> flies with honey than nuclear bombs. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, something I'll just kind of share in my process as well. I try to... Uh, just kind of follow sparks as they come. Like my, um, my Dark Matter video sparked off of the character Abathur in Heroes of the Storm. I really mm -hmm. like the idea of this really weak character that can't actually engage itself and just instead hangs back behind some sort of defenses and attacks from there safely. If you actually isolate it, you can kill it easily, but if you can't, it's invincible. And just that kind of lingering thought has been at the back of my head, just trying to think of, okay, this would be really cool. Where can I find it in other things? And I just kind of keep an eye out for just anything in any game I'm playing that just kind of 
creates a similar spark of just, okay, that's a really cool idea. Uh, one from Dead Space recently, uh, just having to choose between what kind of horror experience you want. Are you trying to... The, the whole thing with um, having so much power to devote to certain systems, you can't have the lights on, the oxygen on, and the gravity at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you want to handicap your movement, your vision, or put yourself on a time limit. Really cool. It just immediately sparks my brain being like, okay, but what if something like... What if Metroid did something like that? Just, just keeping a very loosey-goosey, take these puzzle pieces and see where else I can cram them. I see. I also don't really... It's less writing scripts and more just throwing all those puzzle pieces onto a Google document. Like, things don't, like, take the form of a script until very late in the process. It's more just write down this idea, write down this idea, write down this idea. Okay, I have enough ideas that I think I could turn this into a full video. Let's actually, like, organize them in a order that feels somewhat storytelling. I I like to try to tell a few stories as well. I like your corkboard and string approach. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I never write the intro first, and I never write the outro first. You kind of want to figure that out as, well, at least from my perspective, you want to kind of figure out the tone that your video is having before that happens, because otherwise, uh, my old Fire Emblem video had an intro just kind of talking about Smash Brothers for like seven minutes, and that never came up again, which was a mistake on me, because I could I could easily remake that video so much better now, because that's not what the concept was about. It was just kind of what I started writing at first, and then I rushed that video out too quickly. Mm-hmm. I didn't do the quirking player. I just wrote down everything and just recorded it as is. I don't know. I, I, I kind of see it as like making a puzzle. You want to find out the edges first, kind of figure out the structure of what you're trying to do before you really get into the, the meat and potatoes of just the filling everything out, connecting everything. Oh, I just go whole ham. I just go for it. <laughs> and then what I do is when I'm recording, I realize I say something. I go, that doesn't sound like a human being or anything. That just sounds weird. And then I correct oh, yeah. myself on the fly just to make sure that the words actually make sense. And I go, I, I think this comes from just naturally being a performative speaker and getting to be called cringe on the internet for it. <laughs> and just having the feeling of, is what I'm saying mattering in my emotional through line? Does it feel good to go from this tone to this tone? And if it does, yay. And if it doesn't, then I have some restructuring to do. Yeah, yeah. You, you never take the first draft of anything, because there's always going to be mistakes that you can move around a lot better. Um, I think I usually go through about three or four drafts of my scripts, just kind of... First one's just a figuring out the general pace of, okay, this is the story, this is the... Like, for Ridley, here's where I talk about his history with Smash, here's where I talk about who he is as a character, here's where I talk about what's missing, etc., etc. And then just kind of figuring out how to uh, connect those things more thoroughly throughout the video, Kind of try to make callbacks of recent to past things that you know that the order that things are in. Trying to maybe plant a few seeds of points you're going to make later. There's no really one right way to do it. It's more about just figuring out what clicks for you. And it it takes a bit of experimentation to get to that point. Mm -hmm. I will say that I edit my scripts mid-script. I will write a paragraph and then immediately delete it and write it again. Because Mm -hmm. in my experience... There is nothing that gives me more anxiety than rereading my own work. I hate it. I don't know why I hate it so much, but I hate doing it. So I like being immersed in the creative process the entire time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm naturally forced to confront it in the recording process. So in my experience, everything that I do, I do 
usually at once, but it's a very transformative experience. I get the words out there and I go, is there a better way to say these words that I mean to say? Is there a better way to connect this feeling that I need to feel? I am not decrying your way. I think that that is a much more sane way. (laughs) No, here's the thing. Part of that from like second draft to third draft is that I will delete the entire script. But now that I know what I'm saying, I write it from scratch as now that I know the flow is happening. Because once I get an idea of just, okay, I know, all the, I know all the narrative hits I'm trying to make here, but now I just want to start from that baseline of knowledge and just completely flow through the creative process. I feel you, but I could never do that entirely because inside I hate that I said something wrong. It upsets me. There's just an issue of perfectionism with me. It's not that I have oh, no, I, I to be see, perfect, I see, I see it's the saying. feeling of, if I have done something wrong, then the whole thing is fucked. And it is the hardest thing to work through that. So I try to create this very free-flowing experience where I want to get to the point where after I write a line, I am excited that I wrote it that way. Nice, okay, yeah, yeah, I like that. Like, I have to feel like, when I say this, I can say it's super cool. And some people will criticize me for it, and other people will go, you made me cry. Yeah, for sure. I think that also kind of comes from just our different content styles. Mm-hmm. You're trying to get to the, oftentimes, the emotional heart of something, whereas I'm trying to share more information. Yes. Both of which are great. I entirely agree. Interesting. So, yeah, I guess to answer the question, just you kind of just got to figure out what you're wanting to do. Yeah, find your and own then- groove. Figure out how, essentially... What brings you joy in writing, I suppose? And hone in on that. Like, your best content will always come from you, in your opinion, in your style, in your presentation. You can only give the best version of you forward. And if you try to be someone else, that will be worse than them. Yes, at almost all the time. That's not to say you can't take, like, cues from other people, but you should never try to be copying Yes. Like you can notice ideas, like just not scripting, but I, when I, once I realized that Author Man was overlaying things if I just by changing the opacity to like vivid light and things, I started doing that a lot because I just realized that, oh, this is really fun. I, I really enjoy doing this. Yeah, there are a but lot I of th- things like sometimes I'll watch like an Eyepatch Wolf video or something and I'll be like inspired to sort of write in that same pattern, that same way, because that emotionally resonated with me. And yeah. we're all... We're all made up of all of the little experiences that we have from each other. So Yeah. Or like, hell, your K. Rule video really changed how I changed up the Ridley video. I rewrote that entirely, just trying to come up with more of a celebration of the character rather than a simple interpretation. Yeah, as usual, K. Rule stays winning. <laughs> Going to be relevant any day now. Yeah, good question. Really nice. Um, oh, gosh, there's so many. This one sounded fun. From Jack King 1900, what game series would you want to see kill off their protagonist? And for bonus points, how would you want them to be sent off? Ooh, that's fascinating. I'll have to think for a second on this one. Oh, yeah, yeah, no worries. There's, there's a lot of options. <laughs> yeah. I want the main character of Disco Elysium to die, and you are investigating Ooh. his death. <laughs> and the moment you start investigating his body, you start hearing the voices. Yes! It is played completely oh straight God. until then. That would be so good. 
I could see God of War moving on without Kratos. I think they've done the legwork to make it work. I don't think he needs to die now. Like, they could just leave him behind. Mm-hmm. But that could be a very easy emotional tie-in for Atreus for the next story. Any horror game protagonist, if they survive too long, it does diminish it a little bit. No, Leon's going to live forever. Well, yeah, that's because the game slowly turned into more of an action-adventure game. Yeah, he's amazing. He gets to live forever. But I, I, I definitely think Isaac Clark should die at some point. Yeah. They chip pass on the marker curse to another person. Yeah. Damn, a lot of game characters actually die now. And I can't say them because they're spoilers. Yeah. I, I, I could get I could tell you a couple that I think shouldn't have. That would have been a bit better. Yeah, probably. But that would also be spoilers. I really liked how, I think it was Fire Emblem 6, killed Hector to kind of bounce off of into the next cast into the next generation yes that was that I was feel a like good fire setup emblem hasn't done enough with that idea there's a couple of fire emblem games that i bet you could do something with like maybe marth's son dot sees his dad die or something like that. that that would have some pretty heavy yeah i can agree with that emotional moments yeah uh spider-man 2 should kill off the original spider-man no no i don't actually agree with that at all <laughs> that's that, that's happened too many times yeah Ah, uh, I could see Dante dying. Pass the torch. Well, yeah, but properly. He, like they he already stay have, that way. Like Dante and Kratos already have these ready-made torch-passing moments. I mean, Dante is basically dead. True. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here, here's the obvious one. Okay. Okay. Uh, Mega Man. Oh, that's good. Mega Man should absolutely die. There should be a moment where it is too much for him, and you do the final level as either proto-man or base. Oh, I really like that. I think that would genuinely work. Because the character has a definitive end, and then that body can be used as the base for X. Yes. But there has to be a moment where just the consciousness that is rock ends. That, that's a good answer. I think we'll leave it on that answer. I like that answer. Nice. Uh, let's do Let's do a simple goofy one. Um, uh, from Luke NM4WH. Nemo- I, I don't think that's supposed to be pronounced. Uh, what's a really good dessert you recommend? I do love desserts. I have the biggest sweet tooth, so. Same, same, same. Right up my alley. Um, I love a good cannoli. It's hard to get a good cannoli. But if you can get just the right mix of it, it is delicious. Uh, something that is super easy that I recommend anyone do is just a dump cake, which yeah. is, yeah, just take your favorite pie filling, take a bunch of cake mix, throw it in the oven, it's done, it's goopy, it's delicious, it's mindless, but it's great. Uh, did something similar for my birthday, which is, um, an Elvis's peanut butter cake, which is the same sort of concept, but with banana pudding, peanut butter, and uh, Reese's peanut butter chips, and mm-hmm. then top it with uh, banana chips and an extra peanut butter drizzle. And I added a little bit of caramel to make it just that little bit better. Ooh. That's just good stuff. That's really good stuff. Uh, my kryptonite is, you know the, the Chex Mix when you mix a bunch of peanut butter and chocolate and powdered sugar? Oh, that's good. It's so good. I could eat that for hours. I, I like something similar to it, which is uh, Haystacks, which is that, but uh, with more of a butterscotch. 
feeling. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that sounds delicious. It's not Chex Mix, but it's uh, wonton strips. Mm-hmm. Look like little tumbleweeds. Uh, I worked as a barista for several years, so trying to perfect drinks is a big thing for me. Mm, I see. I-, I can make a really good frappuccino or a latte that'll taste absolutely delicious. It'll be terrible for you. You'll You'll lose three weeks of your life if you drink it, but it will be delicious. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> That's fine. I'm going to live forever. A couple of alcoholic drinks as well that I've found mixes that just completely get rid of like that hand sanitizer taste of alcohol and just become one called a Starburst that is just a pink Starburst. I think I've mm-hmm. talked to you about this. Without yes. like, any of that plasticky tang after you've eaten a Starburst, it's just yes. the delicious taste. Yeah, like I have a very weak alcohol tolerance, so I only can get them as dessert drinks, and a good lava flow is... Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, just kind of in the same vein, just trying to find little ways to flavor cookies in different ways. Like, peanut butter cookies with cinnamon is mm-hmm. really good. really like those. Or you get, like, a, um, I'll get a Hershey's Kiss and put that on top of the peanut butter cookie and just bake it with that, so the mm-hmm. case will kind of just melt as you're eating it. That's really good. That's nice. Uh, one specialty dessert that I got when I was in Boston, and I've seen it nowhere else but Boston, is uh, the lobster tail. And it is layered like a croissant, but in that sweet, like, pull-apart, flaky sort of um, dessert sort of feel to it. Like you get on okay. yeah, Danish. Yeah, yeah. And then it is stuffed with ricotta, mascarpone, and powdered sugar. And it's just a Ooh. massive log <laughs> of mmm. I have never seen it done anywhere or sold anywhere other than Boston. I've only gotten it one time, and it is just the most overwhelming dessert I've ever had. Delightful experience. That sounds amazing. Uh, if you're ever looking for a healthy one, making a uh, fruit smoothie with uh, protein powder and kind of blending it like a uh, like some vanilla protein, stuff that tastes good, and blending it like a milkshake, mm-hmm. that is a great way to just replace a meal and get lots of vitamin C. That is what I drink after work, and it keeps me from dying. No, it's, that, that's a good plan. I can't do that because I need to eat the things, so I feel like I've killed something <laughs> with my teeth. Even if it is just a vegetable or a bread. Uh, from Let's get one from 8-Bit Wise Men. What is your favorite April Fool's prank special event? Whether from individuals or companies, any prank event counts. Have you heard of the murder of Sonic the Hedgehog? <laughs> it's actually the end of the question. Just please talk about Sonic gets murdered. It's pretty neat. Yeah, no, that's a great game. Like, legitimately might be, well, not even might be, is more than in my top, like, third of Sonic games. Admittedly, Sonic 06 is also there, too. But, trust me. Uh, there was one uh, for, I think this was for April Fool's. Uh, you know the Ubisoft game uh, For Honor? Yes. The, the whole medieval just fighting game. Mm-hmm. Replaced every single one of the enemies with rabbits instead. So it's just a horde battle against rabbits. But in that super realistic medieval art style. Oh, that's good. Uh, my favorite bit was uh, Electronic Gaming's Monthly, the magazine, used to run an April Fool's Day joke every single year. And just most gaming magazines did. That's like how you got, oh, beat 20 enemies in Cruel Melee and unlock Sonic. Mm-hmm. And that sort of thing. And they did one during early 2000, and I don't remember what it is. But in that same issue was the reveal that Conker had changed direction into Conker's Bad Fur Day. And no one could tell which one was the joke. 
I don't like April Fool's Day much. (laughs) It's frustrating and annoying. Yeah, they can get... Definitely have been a few that I've seen that I've gotten so excited for, only to realize that, oh, wait, Battle for Middle-Earth 3 doesn't actually exist. It's it's a matter of people being unclever in the least, most agonizing way possible. Like, if I went, I hate Donkey Kong, stupid ape... They're like, what, what, what's the joke there? Is it just I'm being mean for no reason mm-hmm. about something I don't believe in? Uh, otherwise, it is show you something that you want and then go, lol, no. Like, honestly, Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog is one of the coolest things because it's like, haha, funny. But actually, though, it's really good. Oh, yeah, it's got some substance behind it. The best kind of pranks are ones that have some substance behind them. Yeah. Just not mean for the sake of being mean. Yes. All right. Oh, wait. Yakuza Like a Dragon was revealed as an April Fool's Day prank, and it went off so well that they made it into a full game. Not yes! Those moments when they tr- tease something and realize that, oh wait, people actually really want this? Okay, I guess we're doing it. Those are always great. Yes. Uh, from Trainer ZN, which ga- video games did you hate the first time you finished, but with time and replays ended up loving? And why? Uh, never finished it, but Banjo-Tooie is definitely a game that when I finished it, I had a lot higher opinion of it than when I dropped it midway through. Just seeing all of the interconnected pieces actually coming together, rather than being frustrated. It it wasn't what I wanted as a kid, but being able to intellectually appreciate it as an adult and get more of the humor, to be honest. Mm Because I've always loved Banjo-Tooie's world. I think... Tui is the game that makes the Banjo world feel truly alive, and I will always love it for that. But I didn't love it as a game until much later, and then I realized how the interconnected pieces work to make all of its jokes and all of its world land. So that's a pretty big one. You know what? what's, what's the biggest one for me? Like, what? by far? Persona 4. Really? Okay. I picked up a lot of PS2 RPGs when I was in my teen years, and was very, very depressed. And I would just play two hours of them, determine they were crap, and then not play them ever again. Uh, Persona 4, I thought the voice acting was really good. And that's about it. If my sister did not get sick, and I just happened to feel like Persona 4 has good enough voice acting, and I need a way to entertain her, because my dad is drugged out of his mind and isn't going to pay attention to her. Surely this M-rated game will be a good idea. (laughs) But then playing through that and just completely changed the course of my life. So, you know, good reevaluation on that. You know what's funny? Uh, I just talked about how it was my favorite game. Age of Empires 2 was actually one I did not like very much, because I grew up with StarCraft and Warcraft. Oh, so it was just like, oh, this this is just, where, where's the fantasy things? Where's the sci-fi? This is just boring-ass humans. And they released Age of Mythology afterwards as well, which just cemented it for me. Mm-hmm. For a very long time, it was what I would point to as just the boring RTS, but the rest of those games died, and that one just kept getting bigger. Yeah. Yeah, that's understandable. Uh, Final Fantasy VIII is also that for me so far. We'll see if I pick it up again. As, as was well documented last month. <laughs> Bit of a hard question to answer. I don't... If I'm not enjoying a game, I will just stop and rarely go back to. It, it, it will usually take someone else to push me back into a game. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you know what? Chrono Trigger. Tarvold pushed me back into that. Okay, yeah. 
I nice. I thought was really basic at first, and I still think it's basic. But the end game is super, super good. Very cool. Ah, uh, let's, let's do one more. I think this one is interesting. From Rob Hillen eight zero zero seven. Do you think it's fair to the player for modern games to be designed around a blind playthrough as the best way to experience them? Conversely, is it fair to the developer to expect their game's coolest parts to stay cool even after time and popularity turn the spoilers into entry-level knowledge? I hate to give the cop-out answer and go it's a matter of perspective, but it's a matter of perspective. (laughs) Because, like, consider the obvious one, Final Fantasy VII Aerith dies. That is going to be a significantly deeper impact because knowing that going in, you're going to have to appreciate it on intellectual level. You're going to have to notice all of the little details and whether that ends up being pulled off well will depend on your personal taste. But overall, people seem to say, yeah, it was pulled off pretty damn well. Uh, Meanwhile, do the same for a person who has no idea and... That impact hits a lot harder. They're not looking out for it. But at the same time, you have to go, okay, is the loss that they're feeling in both gameplay and story worth it to them? Is this moment executed because so much is hinging on it? Either way, a significant deal is hinging on the moment itself being good as opposed to just what it is. I I feel that something like, say, Bioshock is very similar in that regard. At that point, execution matters significantly more than what a moment or a twist is. Yes, I'd, I'd agree with that. I'd agree. It really, like, it, I, I try to avoid spoilers as much as possible. I do prefer a blind, blind playthrough. But if your thing needs to be blind to have an impact, if it doesn't hold up under that scrutiny of knowing what happens, I, I don't think that that is, how do I put this? The commenter says that it's, I think it is fair to a developer to expect their game's coolest parts to stay cool even after time and popularity turn the spoilers into entry-level knowledge. Because even if everybody knows what happens, if it's still done well, that's what matters. Yes. You can still look back on it and understand why people felt that way when they saw it. Yeah. To give the most obvious example, any mystery game is going to be significantly worse on a second playthrough. Yes. Like, any Adventure Game, any Phoenix Wright, any Danganronpa, Disco Elysium, all of these sorts of games are going to be weaker on another playthrough because you know exactly what happens and what sequence of events are going to lead to the solution. The question is, then, is re-experiencing that story still worthwhile to you without the twists and turns to get there? And if that answer is no then I feel like the game has still failed in its main mission, even if that initial impact matters more. Now, Mm -hmm. how much that impact is going to matter depends on where you are in life, quite frankly. A lot of games you are naturally going to take more time with when you're younger, because first off, you have less games to play, and second off, you have less access to games to play. Whereas, like, me playing Banjo-Kazooie as a child with the ability to play other games, but choosing to play Banjo because I like it means a lot more to me than you playing Banjo-Kazooie as an adult because you have heard it is a classic game and I really like it and I want you to experience it 
and you want to knock it off a backlog. Yes. Just inherently, the way that you appreciate and accept games is going to change based on whatever circumstances of life you're in when you experience it. And that's honestly something that games journalism really sucks at accepting in the chase for objectivity. So when I say it depends, I mean entirely that it depends. Like how much a game's lasting impact can matter to you is entirely based on you and also it being done well. So in short, I do feel like this question comes down to a matter of games should strive to be good. <laughs> If you're being carried by a twist in any medium, that is inherently very weak. You should be able to be able to appreciate something as much as you are being willing to be sucked in during that first encounter. But I do think it is important to meet a game on its own terms during a first playthrough and then dissect it afterward. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. An example they gave was... Getting, going through Xenoblade 1 solely through watching Chuck Conroy playing it. Mm -hmm. And just the uh, comparison between uh, seeing many fans wish they could play it again for the first time and not even be able to experience that. And just comparing it to how it's the case for Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. Should I ever wish to engage with the works, I am punished as an audience member for not being able to experience something made to be popular before it became popular. And I, I do think it's just, if something stands the test of time, it's because that quality was there. And they actually took the time to, like, I will defend Lord of the Rings extremely for that, because they actually made the effort to... It, it's, it's, it's a very philosophical question. It's hard to articulate it, is. it properly. And, like, I get the idea of something that has been so propped up over time, essentially suffering from hype poisoning. Yeah, Undertale was a really good example of that. Yeah. I think you really have to be able to separate your expectation of something versus what the game is asking you to do, how it or what any piece of media is asking you and how it's asking you to interact with it on a base level. And I know that's hard. I know that's at some points impossible, but like people wishing that they could play their favorite game again for the first time. I understand that, but that experience has helped made you who you are. And you value it so much that you want to feel that way again. So, like, cherish who you are now. That'll lead you to even better experiences in the future. I think to answer the actual question, I don't think whether it's fair or not is rather irrelevant, as it is simply an expectation that comes from wanting to experience something new. Mm-hmm. Well, for fair to the player wanting to be designed around a blind playthrough, I, I do think... It would be better for games to be, uh, just, just media in general, to be designed less off of that blind playthrough, that instant um, uh, gratification, uh, spark the social media trends, like every major freaking TV series going on right now. I do think it's better for just quality overall to try to make something that's a little more lasting. And I do think it is fair to a developer to expect that, because you would want, if you're purchasing a product, if you are like, actively spending your time, energy, and money on something, it, you, you want that to have some lasting value. I don't know how to end this now. That made me think too much. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm, like, saying, like, should I, should I sign off with some more? Should I, should I add more? I, should I talk about Pokemon? Should I talk about JoJo? I don't know. 
You know, we'll, we'll, we'll end off with one final question from Jared Heberts. Hashtag DDG comments. I will get my questions in ASAP three weeks ago. That is the comments. Maybe next time, Jared Heberts. Thank you, Jared. Greatly appreciated, as always. <sighs> okay, I'm going to watch the Mario movie again.